Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics. Delivering what they call the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Sean Stone. And with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Beep, boop, pop, boop, boop. <laughs> I am a robot. Beep, pop, boop. <laughs> oh, Bunk Funkers, if you're having your uh, classic Andy is a robot tally, <laughs> that's easily the third or fourth time he's done that. Yeah, yeah. I hope you've been filling out your bingo cards, Bunk Funkers, <laughs> because that's got to get you pretty close to a bingo. Andy, I got to tell you, though, I'm not feeling very robotic about today's topic or today's uh, guest. Oh, Cat out of the bag. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, fact, that's uh, good. Ooh, Andy. Ooh, Art's rubbing his temples. Ooh. He's straining. I'm getting a vision, Andy. Ooh. I'm seeing today's guest, Andy. <laughs> Beep, bop, boop. With... By robot knowledge, I already knew the guest name. Oh my goodness, Andy. Well, would you like to introduce today's guest? Yes, our guest today is a very special... <laughs> I'm going to stop doing the robot voice. Oh, now. okay. Um, it's enough to get the bingo card filled out. You so got their engines revved and they're ready it. to roll. Yeah, people are ready to go. Yeah. Uh, our special guest today is none other than TJW from... The Pick Me Podcast. The Pick Me Podcast. Hello, at- everyone. Oh, hey, TJ. Yes. TJ. I'm glad uh, you told me what my name was because I didn't know. I'm glad <laughs> that the robot was here for me. Yeah, the robot knows all. The robot sees all. Much like the topic of today's oh, show. Ooh. That's right, Andy. Today we're talking about Edgar Casey, one of the Casey. probably premier, most 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 well known, most famous of all. Um, Psychics, psychics, channelers, clairvoyance, clairvoyance. He's like uh, the American Nostradamus. The American yes. Nostradamus. Well, oh my God. Yeah, Beautiful. I'm knowledgeable. Poetry. This is why we bring up great guests like TJ because yes. they help make this show actually listenable. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> that one comment raised the bar of this show tenfold. Now, that being said, if you can't wait, if you want to see the future yourself, if you want to be a clairvoyant, uh, it's very simple, actually. You can look into the show notes. Uh, take a take a deep sleep. Look into t- today's show notes. You'll find a timestamp where you can skip ahead to right when all that delicious 
Edgar, I don't know why I said delicious, but it is. <laughs> delicious Edgar Casey research begins. But first, you should really stick around because we're going to talk to uh, today's guest, let you get to get to know him a little bit. Oh, I feel special. Yeah, well, uh, you are. Uh, you are special. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a special kind of feeling. Is, <laughs> so, TJ, you are host of the Pick Me podcast. Let's talk a little bit about the Pick Me podcast. Uh, which is at Pick Me Podcast on social media. At, 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 Pick, at Me Pick, Pod. Me Pod. Pick Me Pod. Uh, Pick Me Pod. And the website yeah. is is pickme.libsyn.com. Yep. L-I-B-S-Y-N. That's right. Yep. That's where I'm hosted. That's where he's hosted. That's where you can check out. 15 bucks a month. <laughs> 15 bucks a month. Uh, and you can check out so many great episodes of TJ's show where he he uh, he interviews or he reviews, I should, mm-hmm. should say rather, um, Tons of different podcasts, and we were uh, fortunate enough to be included, uh, honored to be included in season one. Yeah. Uh, well, where... you know, I review good shows. That's yes. what I do. Wow. <laughs> and are snuck through somehow. <laughs> <laughs> somehow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so TJ, you, uh, what's the deal with Pick Me Podcast? Why don't you give us your, we'll let you do your own introduction instead of uh, us trying to fucking ramble through this here. So so this is kind of how this started, and uh, it may be an amusing story. I'm not sure. We'll get, we'll see. Okay. Um, but I listen to a whole bunch of podcasts. I have a job where I just sit on my ass in an office and type away at a computer doing data entry. Oh, and, yeah. um, you know, that's... Uh, an exhausting day if you're just sitting there you know what i mean so i put some headphones in and or earbuds now because you know technology and advancement and such okay but uh, you know i put those in and i listen to podcasts throughout the day and um as of such i've listened to a whole whole bunch of podcasts and i feel like i want to um spread my knowledge and love of these podcasts so what would end up happening is you know i'd talk to some friends and i'd be like hey check out this podcast. You should listen to it. And then, you know, I'd come across other friends cause I don't hang out with all of my friends all at the same time. Sure. You know, I come across them occasionally and then I, you know, I'm saying the same thing over, Hey, you should check out this podcast, having to throw out the same pitch over and over. <laughs> so I thought to myself, you know what? I could cut all this out and just make a podcast where I review these things. And then I don't have to keep saying, Hey, over and over to different people when I see them, you know, at work or at Sunday dinner or strangers at the supermarket, I can, you know, I can just give them the podcast instead of taking 15 minutes of their time. See how that works? Wow. Ah, plus you cut down your need for human interaction quite a bit. Which, which uh, yeah, I mean, oh, yes. for us. so into. Yeah. Wow. Spreading your knowledge and we're over here spreading our legs. <laughs> So that's how the whole podcast pick me was born where I'm going to review podcasts and I'm going to share my thoughts on them because I have all of this expertise. You guys you don't listen to decades of podcasts. Oh. Okay. Like a decade of podcasts without learning some things. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Well, there are some uh, really great episodes of the pick me podcast. Um, not the Mr. Bunker episode. I would, uh, you could skip that. There's, there's other podcasts included on that episode, but you should skip most skip, of that portion. Skip, skip the well, front part of yeah. it. It was early before I got good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I, I didn't, we didn't, we didn't give TJ any questions. That's true. Ahead of time. 
So I'm no. going to put him on the spot a little bit. Here oh, yeah. Because I just oh, thought snap. of this question. This seat just got hot, you guys. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, are you in your car? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, TJ, um, you've done you've done how many episodes of Pick Me Pod are there now? I I believe last count 25 total now. 25? I just ended season two. Okay. And you you mostly review like multiple podcasts. Like you've got you've you've looked looked at a lot of shows. In oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, What's the and and there's no pressure here. What's the what do you think is the best uh, podcast you review? There's no pressure, but there's a clear answer. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, the best podcast that I've ever reviewed is this one called uh, Behind the Bastards by Robert Evans. I mean, it's a great podcast and uh, very funny and informative. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, great, uh, okay. great. I'm not I'm not familiar with it. Uh, what's, oh. what's the what's the uh, what's the premise? Oh, um, I, I, I'm sorry, you guys. I know that the obvious answer was supposed to be Hysteria 51. Right. Thank, thank, you. Yes. thank you. Brent does have a gun held to both of our heads <laughs> at this very moment. And Brent my, comes, my apologies. Brent, I hope that saves your life. Yeah, thank you. Brent does come into the bunker daily now and wave a gun around. <laughs> Just to make sure you know who's right. really in charge. Right. It was a mistake to invite him here. <laughs> <laughs> he's I know right now that he's just sitting in the corner of the bunker just drumming his fingers impatiently <laughs> on a t- on a tabletop. Well, he's also playing the drums. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a pretty sweet pearl kit and he's uh I mean he's got a nice little 4/4 rhythm over there. Brett. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> Can't hear it on the pod though. Very weird. Uh but the behind the bastards you say. Uh Oh yeah, that's actually a really really good one. I mean, in all okay. seriousness, if I'm not making jokes, that's a really good one to listen to. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. There you go. Something for us to check out. Yeah, a little something. Um uh what was behind the bastards also the the top rated podcast that you've ever reviewed um i i actually i tend to try to review more of the little man you know what i mean i've got some podcasts that i've reviewed that you know have thousands of listeners already but i'm really trying to look out for that little man i'm trying to find those podcasts that have just started or you know that just uh a few people listen to that really deserve that attention. And that's, that's who I'm really looking for. But I have reviewed some higher known podcasts like uh, stuff. They don't want you to know is one that I also reviewed. Right. Yeah. Um, Now, TJ, I I have an interesting, a question that interests me. Um, Have you ever had to do, and there's obviously a clear answer to this. Have you ever had to do, (laughs) And yeah, another clear answer. A, okay, a review a show where you legitimately are like, ooh, uh, I actually don't like this, and I'm actually, and it's maybe it leans a little bit more because you know, obviously there are negative reviews, uh, right. with movies with anything. So, have you ever had to do something like that, or have you ever like, how do you approach that? I mean, is it more of just like you want to spread the positivity, or right? Or I mean, that's to... the beauty of Pick okay. Me. I frame myself as a show. I'm not I'm not going out to yuck anyone's yum. Okay, you know, okay. I'm not I'm people even if they're making a mediocre to poor podcast, I understand the work that it go that goes into that. And I'm not trying to tear anybody down. So on Pick Me, I frame it where I'm I'm finding the best podcasts and bringing them to you. So if Pick Me reviews a podcast, you know that you know it is worth 
sometime in your ear holes. There you go. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, looking for all the great shows out there to uh, fill the uh, to fill our fulfill the the mind tummies of the world. And I mean, fledgling podcasters, you know, uh, TJ is doing a very admirable service by uh, reviewing these shows and and shouting them out to the world. So that is. Oh. Uh, you know, it's 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 very helpful, TJ, and it's very and, much and I appreciate yeah. you doing your part, helping me shout out to the world. Wow, yeah, it's called, we all appreciate each other. Yeah, uh-huh. this is a real love networking fest. is beautiful. Ooh, it is. Sexy. I love networking. Now, TJ, we are obviously a uh, you know conspiracy, paranormal, UFO, weirdness, strangeness, what have you. Yeah, unexplained phenomena, unsolved whatevers kind of show. Um. I guess just kind of a blanket statement here, you know, what's kind of your, how do you, do you sort of enjoy these kinds of topics? Is this uh, content that you frequently look for? Are you like a big, I don't know, like X-Files fan? Are you Ooh, a big X-Files, fan of like stuff I am like a that? big X-Files fan. Okay. No, I mean, conspiracy and the unknown, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's uh, one of my favorite topics. It's very interesting Ooh. to me to, it's not that I will believe everything. I, I certainly can't believe everything that I hear. There's no way. If I believed everything that I heard, then I'd be a walking contradiction that would hate myself. <laughs> so oh, I have no idea what that's like. <laughs> but it's, what interests me is when we get other people's takes on the same data. You know what I mean? Ah. It's like they've taken this same data and they've looked at it and they're like, you know what? That does not prove that the earth is round. That proves that we're in a dome, you idiot. (laughs) And and it's like, what gets you there? (laughs) What gets someone there? And and that interests me. But I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that, you know, I'm not. I think that I am more open than maybe you gentlemen as self-proclaimed comic skeptics. (laughs) Maybe, you know, I, I think that I have a little bit of a threshold. Like it's like, I firmly believe the aliens are real one hundred. I'm on that board. Nice. Now, whether or not they've actually interacted with our planet, you know, that's another question in my mind, but I'm totally on board with aliens actually existing. Okay. So, you know, it's those kind of things. And, um, you know, I can recognize when, our quote unquote accepted thoughts, you know, doesn't have all the answers. The deeper you look into like history, especially like prehistoric archaeology and things like that, you know, we think that we have an idea and, you know, we have a pretty good yeah. idea, but real, if we're being 100%, we don't know, you know, yeah. so that's why there is so much room for interpretation and it's fun to hear other people's interpretations on that. No, I, I totally, I totally agree with that. I, I, I feel like I identify with that statement. I think, you know, I probably agree with you. Uh, you probably are more open than me. Everybody, every, every bunk funker listening to this is like, this guy never likes anything. <laughs> <laughs> Referring to me, not you, TJ. But, um, yeah. you know, aliens existing <clears throat> to me, not one of the most controversial um, conspiracies. Um, is there anything, what's the most far out you've gone where you said like, this is like either really controversial or like, this is one that not many people believe, but I'm, I believe it. Okay. Here's one that I'm totally on board for, even though there's 
circumstantial, if any, proof for it. Mm-hmm. But I totally believe it. Forgotten civilization. I totally believe that there is some kind of lost or forgotten civilization, kind of like Atlantis, but not necessarily necessarily Atlantis. You know what I mean? I I really firmly believe that because like if you just look at the numbers, you know, uh, what Sumeria, which supposedly was our first quote unquote modern civilization, uh, that's 5000 years ago. Okay, Mm -hmm. but how long have human sapiens in this form? been around we're talking we keep pushing the number back it was 150,000 years now it's like 300,000 years there's some people who Mm -hmm. want to push that back to 500,000 years humans in this form have been walking the planet so you're saying in like 300 to 450,000 years we were just walking around content being hunters gatherers and then for Mm -hmm. some reason just 5,000 years ago we were like you know what let's farm some shit (laughs) (laughs) that that does not make sense to me especially if you look at the pace of you know just how fast we've increased as a society since we decided to start farming some shit so it it just doesn't make sense to me that there was absolutely nothing before then and since we know we know that combined with the fact that we know that most of humanity lives by the ocean on the shores and we know that 15,000 years ago the oceans were 400 feet lower than they are now that means that there was so much more land exposed 15,000 years ago that we can't go and dig and look at right now to prove that there was a society there so that's the one that I firmly believe 100% I would put money on that there was a forgotten civilization Kind of like Atlantis, but not necessarily Atlantis. Just throwing that out there, putting that asterisk there. <laughs> right, right. But, yeah. Do you think? Do you think this this, this civilization was uh, technologically advanced, or just that there was a civilization, regardless of their level of technology, that existed in the ancient past that we have since lost all trace of yeah. because of uh, well, changing? The, and yeah. this this depends mm-hmm. on what we think of as quote unquote advanced. Mm-hmm. Like I think that um, there's evidence even though a lot of people would say it's circumstantial that there was some kind of technology in the past that we just don't understand you know and Mm -hmm. if you have you know twenty thousand years separating you from a society that you can't have no idea about you know it's kind of hard to put yourself in their place and think of what technology they might have come up with because you honestly have no clue about what they were thinking about the world So, you know, it's like, was there some kind of technology? I think there was. Is it comparable? Do I think that they had like, you know, cell phones and, you know, shooting things into space? I doubt that. (laughs) But, you know, you'd think there'd be some kind of record. Right. They were, yeah, putting stuff into space or something. Right. Right. Well, Black Knight satellite, dude. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, No, I think I think that's a very, very like a valid um, a point that you bring up TJ. Um, And that's, it's one thing that comes up a lot. I think in the topics we've covered, it's very interesting to talk about too. Um, Now, as far as like, as far as like paranormal, have you ever had a paranormal experience yourself? Like, have you ever seen something in the skies uh, that you couldn't explain? Have you ever 
um, engaged in spectrophilia? Have, <laughs> have you Ooh, ever communicated okay. with the dead? <laughs> okay, so you guys are ready for a really creepy story, and this is true. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, story time, baby. I need everybody to hold on to their seats. Okay. All right, you ready? All right, we're ready, sitting crisscross applesauce yeah. on the All floor. Right, we're we ready go. to right. go. Yep. So this one time, no, nothing. Never. I, I've never <laughs> Oh, oh, again. oh, what am I going to do with this paranormal boner I got now? <laughs> I mean, there are some things like like there are some things that I think like at the time when I saw them, I was like, oh, that is something. Yeah. But, you know, when I look back on it and think it was like, oh, well, that was probably, you know, I live I live 15 miles south of an active Air Force base. That was probably someone mm. with flares, mm, you know. Yeah. I can at least explain it away to the point that I'm not like laying in bed at night being like, holy shit, the probing is going to start any minute. (laughs) Or at least if you are thinking that it's unrelated to anything paranormal. I think that most nights. (laughs) Now, but once again, you know, do I believe the possibility of some things? Yeah, I am all about the possibility of some stuff. You know, um, my sister was big into uh, ghosts and Ouija boards. Um, My mom was real big into like crystals and Nordic runes. So I was exposed to some stuff. I don't like believe that. Like, I don't think that my mom was like some kind of secret Nordic witch that passed her power (laughs) down generations. You know, that'd be cool if that was. But I don't think that is. That doesn't necessarily mean that I don't think that that's a possibility. Okay. That's a very fair, very fair point, I think. I am very fair. That's why yes. that's why everyone should listen to my reviews because of how fair I am. <laughs> they are fair. They are very fair. Comes full circle. Yes. Most definitely. Even the <laughs> fact that I talked about Atlantis gonna kind of come full circle, right? Oh, oh I know. my god, you that could not have been a better precursor. That's right. Uh, I went to Segway me... school. <laughs> <laughs> I did too. I fell off a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see what you did there. Never got my license either. <laughs> You didn't. You don't walk at graduation. I was in a Segway gang. (laughs) We were called Hills Angels. I can just picture like a fleet of people like leaning on their Segways, but snapping. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We were more of a West Side Story type of gang, not more of like uh, a dance fighting gang. Not of an Altamont type of gang. (laughs) Hold on, hold on. We got to pull over and charge. (laughs) Um. Yeah, well, TJ, I mean, uh, we've got we've got so much to discuss today. I mean, I think this is a uh, a perfect topic for you and uh, to bring you on board for, and I think uh, it's going to lend to a really fun discussion. Oh yeah, but uh, we got to get to it, right? We got to get to this whole enchilada on Edgar Casey here on Mister Bunkers Conspiracy Time Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it still holds up <laughs> uh hey art huh what you doing over there uh, you know we're in the middle of telling the bunk funkers about today's topic, Edgar Casey, right? And you do realize that today is very special 
because we have our good friend TJ from the Pick Me podcast, pickme.libsyn.com at pickmepod, to help us serve up the whole enchilada today. You, you didn't forget me, did you, Art? Oh, no, 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 TJ, sorry. I'm just a little distracted. <laughs> I'm streaming my favorite sitcom from the 90s, Supernatural Friends. You know, it's that show about, like, five people with fantastic abilities who are friends and live in New York City in an apartment that, logically, you know, based on what we know about them, none of them could afford individually or collectively. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, it's got all your classic right. characters. You guys have seen them. There's there's Montecor, Rael, Joseph, Ooh. Phoebe, ah. and Rosicrucian. Then you've got my favorite, Chandler. Oh, man, do I love that guy. Could he be anymore in communication with the deceased? Okay, okay, okay I get it. I love 90 sitcoms, too. I mean, Step by Step, Mad About You, Empty Nest, The Nanny. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Truly the golden age of television. So, I mean, I understand, Art, you weren't just ignoring me and your audience. You were doing some last-minute research on channeling through the medium huh, of 90 sitcoms to help you uh, better understand Edgar Casey, right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> anyway, uh, bunkfuckers, of course, I'm paying attention to our very special guest, TJ from Pick Me Podcast. And of course, I'm paying attention to you, bunkfunkers. You can always count on me. I'll be there for you. Well, Central perk up your ears here, everybody. <laughs> because we're talking about a super psychic on today's episode, Edgar Casey. Now, if you don't know who Casey was... For more than 40 years, he gave psychic readings to many, many people. He was known for his medical diagnoses and for his prophecies. We'll dig into it, but Casey gave his readings while lying down in a trance. This practice led two-time Casey biographer Jess Stearns to refer to Casey as, quote, the sleeping prophet, end quote. His health advice has led some to call him the father of holistic medicine, He's even considered by some to be a key source for many beliefs of the New Age movement. Ah, uh, yes, Andy. But before all that, Edgar Casey had to be born. Oh. And born he was on oh. March 18th in the year of our Lord, 1877, on a farm near Hopkinsville, Kentucky. He was a part of a big farming family. His parents, Leslie and Elizabeth Casey, had five other children as well back in the day when Leslie was a good manly name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but young Edgar stood out. He began to show psychic abilities in his early childhood, even as young as the age of six. As a child, Edgar saw and communicated with the spirit of his dead grandfather, and he played with imaginary friends he called the little folk, which he said were the spirits of the deceased. Hey, guys. He saw dead people. <laughs> My sixth sense is tingling. Oh, mine too. Oh, no, no, wait. That's not my sixth sense. That's my right arm that's tingling. Oh, uh, well, this is going to get worse before it gets better. Oh, well, the show must go on. <laughs> oh, so much like me, Edgar Casey had read the Bible. Unlike me, though, 
As a youth, Casey decided to read the entire Bible every year for the rest of his life. Spoiler alert, he achieved his goal. So you now know this guy loved to read the Bible. It's no surprise then that in 1889, he was out in a hut in the woods reading his Bible. Uh, Suddenly, a woman with wings appeared to him and told him his prayers had been answered and asked what he wanted most. Though frightened, Casey told the woman that he wanted to help others more than anything, especially sick children. Oh, inc- Sweet, right? Oh, yes. Th- this encounter with this winged woman led Casey to decide to become a missionary. The day after Edgar saw this lady in his Bible hut in the woods, uh, <laughs> his teacher from school... <laughs> That's all that hut was for, too. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We oh. all have our hut in the woods where we read our Bible alone. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. And a couple of my uncle's uh, old magazines, if you know what I mean. Uh, I've seen some women with wings. <laughs> talking National Geographic. <laughs> I have three huts, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mr. Oh, Rich wow. Guy. Jeez. Mr. Moneybags over here. All right. Hut flex. So the day- <laughs> hut flex. Uh, the day after Edgar saw this lady in his Bible hut in the woods. His teacher from school complained to Edgar's parents about little Edgar's schoolwork. Well, Edgar's daddy, Les, uh, decided to quiz Edgar on spelling. And uh, Edgar didn't do so well. So Les, uh, he did the only thing he could. He uh, beat the shit out of Edgar so hard uh, that it knocked Edgar out of his chair. Yeah, Smacked yes. him upside the head so hard. Mm-hmm. That's That's how they did things back then. The Murray yes. Wilson technique. <laughs> um, but this act of child abuse caused Edgar to hear the voice of the winged woman from the day before. The woman told Edgar to go to sleep so they could help him. And by they, she meant the concussion fairies, <laughs> which is why you should always go right to sleep after suffering a head injury. So you can be visited by the concussion fairy. I am I not left. a medical doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I left all my memories under my pillow and the uh, concussion fairy left me 20 bucks. Oh. I don't know where I live anymore, but I'm eating Pizza Hut tonight, baby. Pizza <laughs> head. Get ready to party. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so anywho, you guys, Edgar begged his father, a.k.a. not the mama, to <laughs> let him take a rest. Les agreed, and Edgar put down his head on his spelling book, and he fell right asleep. When Les came back and woke up Edgar, Edgar miraculously was able to ace the spelling quiz. As it turns out, Edgar had basically memorized the entire book while he was sleeping. Les naturally thought that Edgar was pranking him, so he did the only thing he could. He hit Edgar so hard it knocked Edgar out of his chair again. Mm -hmm. I mean, it worked the first time. Might as well do it twice, right? Hell yeah. Eventually, ain't broke, don't fix it. (laughs) Right? Eventually, though, uh, young Edgar would come to use all of his books in the same fashion, by which I mean he would sleep on them, or just put them under his pillow while sleeping. I'm not sure if the child abuse was part of the system, or if it was just a one-time event. Well, whatever the case... In just three short years, Edgar Casey went from problem child to star student. In fact, his teacher thought he was the best student in class. The teacher asked Edgar about his turnaround, and Edgar told the teacher that it was all thanks to seeing the pages of his school books in his mind. With Edgar's sudden rise in academic prowess, his father, Les, couldn't help but be proud. 
Les bragged around town about Edgar's abilities, which led to kids in town thinking Edgar was weird. Wow. How could that happen? Uh, this is such a classic dad moment. Beat your kid so well that he becomes a straight-A student. Then you brag about him so much, the kids at school don't want to hang out with him. Mm-mm. Chef's kiss. Just that's, beautiful. That's right out of one of those 90s sitcoms. <laughs> oh, man. it's It happened on every 90s sitcom. I believe uh, Growing Pains had that exact same thing happen. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's surprising we we know more about Edgar Casey and not his father and his classic abuse your child into success method. Yeah, <laughs> you think right. that would be the books we were reading? You're right. Well, anyway, not long after Edgar became a smarty pants weirdo outcast, <laughs> he started to show that he had the ability to make medical diagnoses in his sleep. Apparently, Edgar got hit in the spine with a ball at school one day. The injury made Edgar act weird, so his parents. Put him to bed. You're being weird. Go to bed. (laughs) So it's possible that he's just having traumatic brain injury. And people are taking that as, you know what? Um, He's telling the future. (laughs) While sleeping, Edgar came up with a cure for his damaged spine. His family did as Edgar instructed and then went back to sleep where he was healed. I believe he put together some kind of like uh, poultice or uh, Mm -hmm. ointment. Yeah. Uh, Herb ointment. Yeah, one of these like like home kind of remedy yeah. remedy like rub things. Like a, this, like a yeah. This was the a first piece of been gay in history. <laughs> <laughs> All of this led Edgar's violent father Les to declare that Edgar was the greatest fellow in the world when he's asleep. Only when he's asleep. Yep. Good oh, Lord. That's how you know you've made your parents proud. When they're like, <laughs> when my kid's asleep, he's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right, TJ. Probably because he can't run that fucking smart mouth of his when he's asleep, right? Less. Yeah. Oh yeah, you fucking teach him right. <laughs> make you make you take this backhand again. <laughs> Being a smart Alec, talking smart now. You think you're smarter than your daddy? Because <laughs> you ain't. Because you got a ninth grade education. I don't got a seventh. Oh, you think you're smarter than your daddy? Now, this actually makes no sense because he's mad about that smart mouth, but the only reason he has that smart mouth is you keep hitting him. We've already <laughs> yeah. established that. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough cycle. <laughs> By this point, I think we all know that Les would agree. Amen. Despite the success with his spine, Edgar would not do much sleep medicine over the next few years. In December 1893, the Casey clan moved into the town of Hopkinsville, Kentucky, where Edgar got one of them eighth grade educations. (laughs) Edgar's formal education stopped in the ninth grade because the Casey family could no longer afford that schooling. After this, Edgar left his family to look for work. At this point in his life, Edgar spent a lot of time looking for work and trying to earn an honest buck. Edgar also spent a lot of time in church. He was a member of the Disciples of Christ, where he taught Sunday school and recruited missionaries. Edgar still showed some psychic-type abilities as well. He claimed to see people's auras, uh, claimed that he could talk to angels, and could hear the voices of the dead. These psychic experiences gave Edgar personal turmoil, though. He tried to square what he experienced with his Christian beliefs. He wondered if his psychic powers were a spiritual gift from God. Then, on March 14th, 1897, 
Casey got engaged to Gertrude Evans. In 1900, Edgar started a business with his father, selling Woodman of the World insurance, which, I mean, honestly, it sounds like a lumberjack travel show. <laughs> Welcome to the insurance. Woodman of the World! <laughs> Woodman of the World! Um, at any rate, <clears throat> in March 1900, Edgar lost his voice completely due to a paralyzed larynx. Doctors tried to figure it out, but they couldn't, and nothing brought back his voice. Having no voice meant Edgar having no job. So he moved back in with his parents, where he had to stay for about a year. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. This guy would fit in with you millennials and Zoomers, huh? Not like my generation. 70 years ago, you couldn't get out of work for a sore throat. No, siree. Wait, what's that? Well, this happened over 100 years ago? Well, I still don't like it. I don't like anything I don't agree with. Wait, wait, what? Edgar Casey ended up getting a different job? As a photographer? Even while he was still voiceless? He did, Andy. He started a photography apprenticeship at a studio in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. And he ended up uh, being a pretty damn good photographer, actually. So, uh, <laughs> poo on you and your nasty little attitude. Yes. You take your toot and you park it, mister. <laughs> oh, in a parking lot. Park it like, under poo. <laughs> yeah. like I'm talking. feel like I'm talking to Les Casey here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, get in a chair. We'll sleep on it. And then in 1901, a strange hypnotist named Hart. Hey, that's my name. That's right, Andy, but shut up for a fucking second. All right. A stage hypnotist. <laughs> a stage hypnotist by the name of Hart, who used the stage name The Laugh Man, performed at the Hopkinsville Opera House. What the frick, you guys? This old-timey stage hypnotist stole my identity. I'm the person who's known as the Laugh Man, mm -hmm. which is always surrounded by quotation marks. Ah. The quotation marks are what really sells the name as not being representative of my personality. Well, another thing that's not representative of your personality is Hart's personality. Oh, because Hart tried to be helpful. So yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. he's not much of an identity thief, as you claim. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, Hart heard about Edgar's laryngitis and offered to try to cure him. Edgar accepted Hart's help, and they tried to cure at the office of Manning Brown, who was a throat specialist, if you know what I mean. Oh, <laughs> I think <okay>. we do. <laughs> Actually, he, yeah, he was just a throat specialist, someone who specializes oh. in throat. Yeah, oh, oh, No oh, joke oh. there, yeah. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> While at Brown's office, Casey was put into an hypnotic trance. While hypnotized... Casey's voice allegedly came back, only to disappear again once he woke up. Another example of him only being good when he sleeps. <laughs> Hart attempted a post-hypnotic suggestion that Edgar could speak after waking up from the trance, but it didn't work for some reason. Hart said his cure attempt failed because Edgar wouldn't go to the third stage of hypnosis which is where the hypnotist can activate an unconscious response in the subject. Everyone knows that. Well, <laughs> yeah. another way Hart the hypnotist was nothing like Andy the co-host curmudgeon is that people actually wanted to see Hart perform. <laughs> That's since <fair. laughs> Another fair point. Since Hart had to leave town for other gigs, the curious case of Edgar Casey was taken up by New York-based hypnotist John... Duncan, quack and boss. Oh, wait, God damn. 
What a fucking name! That name is Quackin the fucking boss. boss. <laughs> you kidding me, Quacking Boss? That is a stage name if I ever heard one. God damn, Quacking Boss. <laughs> oh my god, he's the boss. Ah, oh, it's just so good. So JD Quacking Boss wasn't the boss of Edgar Casey, that's for sure. Oh no, because Quacking Boss had the same problem that Hart did. Casey wouldn't go to the third stage of hypnosis. Why so not? Boss, I don't know. I'm not a hypnotist. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm no. I'm no quacking boss. If anything, I'm sure. a quacking apprentice or a quacking intern. Yeah, you're like the quacking peon. <laughs> the quacking padawan. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So quacking boss had the idea that Casey should try to cure himself while in the second stage of hypnosis. In the second stage of hypnosis. You're kind of in a hypnotic trance, but you haven't hit the stage where you're completely responding to the hypnotist from your unconscious mind. Now, there was a hypnotist local to Hopkinsville named Al Lane who offered, which, I mean, nowhere near as cool. I mean, he needs to step it up in that department. Yeah, the name might as well not exist. That being said, no, not a cool name. He offered to help Edgar cure his ailment. And with Lane's help, Edgar went into a hypnotic trance. 20 minutes later, Edgar Casey said the treatment was complete. When awakened from his trance, Edgar's voice was back to normal. So maybe this guy didn't need a badass name like Quackenboss. I guess. Ah, he needs a golf clap. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so even though they seemingly cured Edgar, he would continue to lose his voice periodically for a little while. Whenever this happened, Edgar and Al Lane would do the same procedure, and each time Casey's voice would return. After a while, his voice came back for good. Now, Bunk Funkers, Al Lane, unimaginative name aside, he was no dummy. He knew free health care when he saw it. Lane used Casey to get cures for his own health problems. Apparently, Lane felt Casey diagnosed him accurately, and the cures suggested worked. It's important to remember that Edgar Casey was doing all this the same way he fixed his laryngitis, in a trance. Al Lane described it like this, quote, a self-imposed hypnotic trance which induces clairvoyance, end quote. Clairvoyance in this case is, is being able to perceive things outside of the physical senses. In order to get into his trance, Casey would take off his coat, take off his collar, take off his tie, lie down on a couch, close his eyes, and put his hands on his tummy. He was like a clairvoyant Mr. Rogers, right? Uh, then, with the help of Al Lane, uh, though Edgar did eventually learn to do this himself, Casey went into a deep meditative state, almost like being asleep, hence the nickname, the Sleeping Prophet. Once he reached this relaxed state, Casey believed he had access to all the information in the universe and beyond. He believed he could tap into the universal consciousness, sometimes called the Akashic Records, which are essentially collections of everything uh, about of everything about everything in the universe that ever was, is, or will be. With the knowledge of the Akashic Records at his disposal, Casey could be asked questions about, well, anything. Uh, Casey's answers eventually were called his readings. Now, bunk funkers, Al Lane, unremarkable name aside, was no dummy. We told <laughs> you this already. We said it before. He knew a chance to make money off healthcare when he saw it. So, Lane suggested to Casey that he start giving readings to the public. Casey didn't really want to. 
He didn't know what he was telling people to do until he came out of his trance. And so he couldn't guarantee that any treatment he suggested would be safe. This hesitation to treat people led Casey led to Casey losing his voice again. He took the event as a sign from God and changed his mind. He agreed to Lane's suggestion, but only on the condition that the readings would be free. Curses! shouted Ali Lane as he twirled his mustache, pushed up his top hat, shrouded himself in his cape, and sauntered away. <laughs> At least that's how I imagined it would have happened. Uh, me, you know, old timey rich folk, they want that money's. <laughs> Just like that classic episode of Designing Women, where the sugar baker and associates design firm had to deal with an unscrupulous landlord. A oh, great episode. Well, Al Lane did eventually return to help Casey give his free treatments to the townsfolk. Now, Casey's medical exploits eventually made it to the press, and the news coverage caused him to receive a lot of requests for help through the mail. Now, for most doctors, treating someone through the mail is a no-no. <laughs> but when other doctors won't, Edgar Casey will. Yes. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. So Casey said he would treat people uh, the same, said he could treat people the same with a letter as seeing them in person. He only really needed the person's name and location to diagnose their problems and figure out how to help. This talent led to some celebrity and Casey started getting letters from people all over the world. But all this attention didn't make Casey feel great. He's still worried about the safety of the remedies that he was suggesting. He said, quote, one dead patient was all he needed to become a murderer, end quote. And this was a legitimate fear. In fact, uh, this was the exact same reason my mail order doctor business didn't work out. <laughs> mm, yeah. So unfortunately, I had to move it to a motel where right. I had to, you know, unfortunately see people in person. But right. Whatever. A conscious complicates things. Yeah, yeah, it does. I know. So I'm I'm actually working on a. You know, I'm actually working as a doctor to try and uh, get rid of a conscious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where it's located. I think it's somewhere near the gallbladder. A con consciousectomy? <laughs> yeah, consciousectomy. Consciousectomy. Now, complicating factors for Casey was the popular belief at the time that people who underwent hypnosis eventually went insane or had their health negatively impacted. <laughs> now, giving free readings and worrying about murdering people with your help is all fine and dandy. But a man can't live on the possibility of killing someone alone. Edgar Casey needed some sweet, delicious currency. So in 1902, he took a job at a bookshop in Bowling Green, Kentucky, which, since 1981, is the exclusive home of the Chevrolet Corvette. Vroom, vroom, vroom. <laughs> uh, in Bowling Green, Casey lived with some other professionals, including two doctors. At one point, Casey lost his voice again, so Al Lane joined him to help put him in a trance so he could speak again. Eventually, Al started paying Casey weekly visits to do readings, though Casey kept the readings, uh, the meetings secret, you know, because of the whole being afraid of murder thing. Casey still did all his readings for free. Around this time, Casey invented a card game called Pit. It's a card game based off the commodities market trading floor at the Chicago Board of Trade. Apparently, Casey sent his idea to the game company Parker Brothers. Uh, the company copyrighted the idea and Casey received no money for this invention. <laughs> he didn't see that coming. <laughs> well, Edgar definitely was coming on June 17th, 1903, because that's the day he got married to his uh, beloved Gertrude. 
Mmm, beautiful. Gertrude <laughs> then joined him in Bowling Green. Eventually, they would have three children. Hugh Lynn. Hugh Lynn? Hugh Lynn, okay. Who was Hugh born Lynn. in 1907. Milton Porter, who was born in 1911 and died in infancy. And Edgar Evans, born in 1918. Those are some names. Beautiful. Back in 1903, Gertrude made it known that she did not approve of Edgar using his psychic abilities. Edgar himself was still conflicted about the readings. He wanted to help people, but was using these powers the moral thing to do? This is so like that one episode of action where Wendy Ward has the chance to take the role of a lifetime, but considers how her departure from Dragonfire Flames impacts Peter's ability to finally get the Beverly Hills Gun Club in theaters. Oh, and how, TJ? Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway... <laughs> A few days after Edgar and Gertrude married, Al Lane uh, shared Edgar's secret abilities with the other people at the boarding house where the Casey's were living. Um, this move kind of uh, backfired <laughs> uh, because it led to Kentucky medical authorities making Lane shut down his practice. So Lane did the only thing he could do. He went to Franklin, Kentucky to get trained as an osteopath. That's what any of us would have done the in that situation. Thing. It's the only <sighs> thing. Uh, the only route he could have taken. Yeah. But in Bowling Green, Edgar Casey opened a photography studio. The doctors living with Casey got together with some of their colleagues to study Casey's abilities. With Casey's agreement, the group performed experiments which supported the validity of Casey's readings. After a rough exam by the doctors, Casey stopped allowing them to experiment on him and said he would only perform readings for people who needed help and who believed in his abilities. Around this time, Casey also turned down an offer to turn his readings into a business. In 1906 and 1907, Casey's photography studios burned down, which caused him to declare bankruptcy. He didn't see that coming. Nope. Also in 1907, after these setbacks, Casey turned again to photography to make a living and took work at the H.P. Tressler photography firm. Around this time, he also had a string of successes with his readings, helping folks in his family. Despite the success, he once again turned down an opportunity to make money on his readings by refusing to start a business with Wesley H. Ketchum, a Hopkinsville homeopath. Oh, gotta catch them all, right? <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta catch all those homeopaths. Yeah, I believe Wesley was Ash's grandfather. <laughs> I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, despite Casey's decline, Ketchum continued to be a supporter and bragged about Casey to some medical groups. Eventually, Casey's story made its way back into the press. In 1910, Ketchum again approached Edgar about starting a business. This time, Casey accepted, under the condition that he wouldn't make any money from the readings. Instead, he stipulated that the company provide him with a photography studio for his work, with a separate office to give readings. The contract also gave 50% of the earnings to Edgar's father. Good old Les. Les only ever has his son's best interest at heart. Less is more. <laughs> yes, he is. Now, while working with Ketchum, Casey read the transcripts of some of the readings. Now, the readings had a bunch of medical terms and jargon. Uh, the conscious Casey didn't understand it any more than I could. And uh, <laughs> Casey wanted to get more scientific interpretations of his readings, but could only get the local doctors in Hopkinsville to work with him. I mean, this was a problem because most of Casey's subjects were not, well, they weren't local. Plus, 
In his readings, Casey addressed a wide array of ailments. So basically, he needed a team of specialists to get the most gain from his work. Now, even though he was pursuing medical intervention for the subjects of his readings, Casey himself and Gertrude, of course, were not convinced of the healing power of the readings. Allegedly, their middle child, who again died in infancy, died because Edgar and Gertrude hesitated to use the treatments prescribed during the readings. Later, Gertrude contracted tuberculosis and became so ill, doctors gave up trying to treat her. Finally, Edgar and Gertrude gave in and tried the treatment suggested by Edgar's reading. Like magic, Gertrude was cured! Huzzah! Hooray! Yep. Clearly, that was the basis for the 1994 episode of Home Improvement, where Tim uses Binford tools to perform surgery on Jill during an episode of Tool Time. Yeah. That's a great one. Mm. Al was the nurse. Not not sure why they went ahead and put him in the like a sexy nurse outfit like you'd see on Halloween. Not sure why they went that far, but you know it was a bold choice. It was a bold, sexy choice. I got to tell you, when I saw Al in that sexy nurse outfit, I went. (laughs) (laughs) It made me stick my head over a fence. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, Ben. Binford wasn't the only power tools in the room that night. <laughs> right. Hey. Anyway, in 1912, Casey learned that Ketchum lied to Casey about the readings and had been using them to gamble. Mm-hmm. Now, you might be wondering how Casey wouldn't have been aware of that happening during his readings. After all, it's Edgar Casey doing the readings. What gives? Well, when Edgar Casey gave readings... He accessed his subconscious mind, so his awake conscious mind was totally unaware of what transpired during the readings. See? Loophole. Conscious Casey <laughs> wasn't aware of the questions asked him or the answers he gave. No responsibility at all. <laughs> Obviously, what Ketchum did was a big breach of trust. Ketchum defended his actions by pointing out that they weren't going to make money waiting on the support of all that medical establishment. But Mm -hmm. despite the spirited defense, Casey was fed up and took a photography job with his old firm, H.P. Tressler, this time in Selma, Alabama. Even though he got this sweet photography gig, Casey still wanted to give readings full time, you guys. Since he still refused to ask for payment, he asked for voluntary donations. Then in 1923, Casey came into contact with Arthur Lamers. <laughs> Lamers? Lamers? What's but a, you're such a, a lamer name. <laughs> don't you fucking say you're it. You're Arthur Lamers. Don't this you Arthur say Lamers. <laughs> Arthur Lamers reading about Arthur yeah, Lamers here. Oh boy, the only oh boy. person All right, that the he laugh looks man. down at is Arthur Lamers. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I'm getting fucking roasted out here. I couldn't predict this even if I was clairvoyant. Uh, God damn, I'm getting roasted. sleep on that, prophet. I got to sleep on this one. I feel like I got knocked upside the head out of my chair. (laughs) Um, So Arthur Lammers, who was a financially successful printer and a theosophist. Now, we've mentioned it briefly in other episodes, but theosophy is essentially a school of thought that values the pursuit of, uh, quote, divine wisdom. Uh, basically, it's like seeing knowledge of how everything in the universe ties together, man. Um, 
This is a pretty simple explanation uh, to a very complicated topic that honestly will probably be its own episode. Right. Ooh, probably, yeah. The, the point is that topic. there you go. There you go. That uh, lamers or lammers uh, had an, uh, an influence on Casey by convincing Casey to do readings on philosophical topics. According to Lammers, uh, when Casey was reading him, Casey revealed that Lammers had lived past lives and had been reincarnated. This was great for Lammers because he already believed these things. Oh, so. convenient. <laughs> it's like that, it all, that's it all ties together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I believe these far-fetched things and someone else who believes far-fetched things also believes them. Hashtag I mean, Take the proof you can get. Yeah. <laughs> Edgar Casey, though, eh, not so much. As a devoted Christian, Casey found it hard to believe he had said these things. By this time, Casey was using a stenographer to record his readings. He asked the stenographer to read what he said. And here's what the stenographer recorded. Quote, In this we see the plan of development of those individuals set upon this plane, meaning the ability to enter again into the presence of the creator and become a full part of that creation. Insofar as this entity is concerned, this is the third appearance on this plane, and before this one, as the monk. We see glimpses uh, in a life of, of the entity now, as were shown in the monk, in this mode of living. The body is only the vehicle, ever of that spirit and soul that waft through all times, and ever remain the same. End quote. Now, Despite how it sure seems like Casey did tell Lammers he'd been reincarnated, Casey refused to accept that's what he was saying. Nevertheless, Lammers took the reading as an opportunity to share with Casey his the theosophical beliefs. To help convince Casey, Lammers invited him to go to the number one hub of metaphysical learning in the universe, Dayton, Ohio. Ooh. Casey did eventually agree and traveled to Dayton. While there, Casey gave many a metaphysical reading, which Casey tried to fit into his Christian belief system. Eventually, Casey would say he became more interested in metaphysical subjects when he was told about their appearance in his readings. Casey denied having any previous exposure to these more esoteric topics. Also in Dayton, Lammers found, uh, funded an organization to support Casey so he could keep doing medical readings. Casey agreed to the arrangement and asked Gertrude and the boys to come to Dayton with him. Magical Dayton, the gem city, the birthplace of aviation. It's a real nice way to spend a day in Dayton, Ohio, on a lazy Sunday afternoon in 1923. How could the Casey family refuse? They just had to pack up and go. When they got there, Casey tried to convince his family that the Bible totally supported all the theosophical type stuff he'd been saying in his recent readings. By this time, Arthur Lammers had some money troubles and was moving out of the picture. <laughs> ah. Well, with Lammers gone, Casey focused on medical readings. Gertrude, in a real turnaround, began to conduct all of Edgar's readings. During this period, he found himself suggesting treatments that we might even consider good ideas today. Things like diet, relaxation, and massage. He also okay. suggested things like gemstones, UV light, and electrotherapy. Oh. In 1925, Shocking. during a reading, Casey was instructed by, quote, the voice to move to Virginia Beach, Virginia, and live across the street from the beach. 
The voice told him that the sand there could encourage fast healing of ailments. I always do what Blake Shelton tells me, which is why I only eat bacon-stuffed crust pizza. Well, Edgar Casey is a lot like me, so when The Voice tells him to do something, he does it. So, he moved to Virginia Beach in 1925. The Casey family settled in a house purchased for them by Morton Blumenthal. Morton was a stock trader, as was his brother Edwin. The Blumenthals took an interest in Casey's readings and proposed to fund his work. The Blumenthals also used Casey's readings to make money shorting stocks. Ooh. These boys really knew how to salute their shorts. <laughs> oh, too true. Yeah. Too true. Then in May of 1927, the Association of National Investigations wasn't created. Was created. Uh, this, is, this organization was to manage the building of a hospital and a scientific study of Casey's readings. I mean, things are really, uh, things are moving. Things are moving. The association, <laughs> the association now required that to get one of Casey's readings, you had to be a member of the association and agree that you were taking part in a psychic experiment. Now, in late 1928, Casey's hospital opened, fulfilling Casey's object, objective of a facility to validate the efficacy of his treatment suggestions. The next day, the first patient was admitted. Before long, the hospital had a months-long wait list. Ooh. Casey hoped that the hospital would enable creation of reference materials for his cures, which would be used by doctors. Casey also worked with a chemist who used psychic powers to make medicine. Oh. The pair made an adsorbable form of iodine called atomodyne. I think it's at- at- atomodyne. Atomodyne. Yeah. Atomodyne. atomodyne. Yeah. Atomodyne. I'll so, Tom, you're dying. Hey, <laughs> oh, okay, take it easy there, TJ. Oh, okay, I'll back off. All, right, all right. So, in addition to the association and the hospital, Blumenthal also advanced plans to open a university, which did open September 22nd, 1930. Blumenthal ceased financial support of the university after only the first semester of classes. He also shut down the association in February of 1931. Apparently, the 1929 stock market crash really hindered his ability to fund these projects. He got shorted. Oh. Himself. But don't worry, bunk funkers. The university, Atlantic University, reopened in 1985 and is still open today. Back in 1931, Edgar Casey was asked by people how they could also get psychic powers. This got Casey thinking and eventually culminated in the creation of so-called study groups, which were basically like pods of people studying Casey's work. In one reading, Casey told the study groups, uh, the goal of life isn't to be a psychic, but to be a more loving spiritual person. Also in 1931, the Association for Research and Enlightenment, or ARE, was founded. The goal of the ARE was to maintain Casey's readings and to allow the readings to be studied. At the suggestion of his son, Hugh Lynn, Edgar began doing two readings per day. The ARE Library, another Hugh Lynn idea, recorded everything about the readings, including Casey's methods and mood. Everything that came up in the readings was verified with the subjects who were not present during the reading. Around this time, Casey was giving readings about more esoteric, occult-like topics. Soulmates, the Akashic Records, karma, past lives, astrology, stuff like that. 
Well, before we go on, I just want to say Hugh Lynn. Is anybody, does that name bugging anyone else? This just <laughs> sounds yeah. like two names that don't go together. Hugh Lynn. Hugh Lynn Hugh- Packard. <laughs> I, uh, Do you think that he drove a Packard? It was, that was like Hugh Lynn's Packard? <laughs> Hugh Lynn. Oh. And he worked uh, in the newspaper business. He was a printer. <laughs> he could have changed his name at any time. <laughs> uh, but he yeah, the K- Casey was the important part of his name, but he kept the first two. Yeah. Well, oh, anyway, in 1935, Edgar Casey, Hugh Lynn's father, was convicted <laughs> in Detroit for practicing medicine without a license, which, now that I think of it, is exactly the same way that Home Improvement episode ended. Oh, <laughs> that's right. There's yeah. that dramatic courtroom yeah. scene where sexy Al bends over and the judge decides to throw everybody in jail. <laughs> I, I can't blame the judge there. <laughs> it was just a bad time for that outfit to rip. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, just Poor just Al. Real, real unlucky. Ugh. Richard Karn, such a great actor. Then in uh, 1943, you guys, the biography of Casey the only one that was written while he was alive, it was published. The book called There is a River helped increase the demand for Casey's insights. To accommodate the additional requests, Edgar started doing readings four or six times a day. That's a lot of trances. That's a lot. Also in 1943, Casey was profiled in Coronet Magazine. Coronet, Coronet, it's one of those two. (laughs) <laughs> With World War II raging, Casey got a lot of letters from families trying to contact their loved ones overseas. Casey felt he had to do his part, so he started doing eight readings per day. The increased workload impacted Casey's health. In fact, his own readings told him that he was doing too much work. Casey was told if he didn't slow down his pace, he was going to die. And I'm not sure Casey listened to that advice because between June 1943 and June 1944, he did 1,385 readings, which doesn't surprise me because we've seen over and over that Edgar Casey does not believe himself. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. In uh, August 1944, he collapsed from exhaustion. To understand what happened, Casey did a reading about it, which I don't know why he doesn't believe himself. (laughs) Anyway, he was told to rest until he felt better or he would die. (laughs) This time, Edgar and Gertrude listened, and they took a holiday to the mountains in Virginia. Despite the getaway, though, Edgar suffered a stroke in September 1944. He died on January 3rd, 1945. Gertrude died three months later. Interestingly, before his death, Casey predicted that he would be buried on July f- on January 5th, 1945. Despite Casey's passing, the ARE kept up the work of maintaining the records of Casey's readings. And what a lot of readings there are. I mean, yeah. the ARE has a total of 14,306 readings available at its campus, those readings account for more than 50,000 single-spaced typewritten pages and more than 10 million words. Whew. 
Yeah. Now get Edgar Casey to write your next college essay, people. <laughs> okay. He doesn't need to take. He doesn't need to highlight the periods and turn them into font fourteen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Now the wild thing is that uh, Casey didn't even have a system to record and save his readings until September of 1923, when he was in Dayton. In 1922, an article in the Birmingham Post Herald quoted Casey saying he'd given 8,056 readings by that time. So according to Casey's count, in his lifetime, he gave more than 22,000 readings. I ain't even read 22 books in my lifetime. Yeah. No oh, kidding. that shows. Jeez. Now, the readings are stored at ARE. Uh, the readings stored at ARE were performed for more than 8,000 people. So Casey peeked into the lives of a lot of different folks, including celebrities. Some of his famous clients included U.S. President Woodrow Wilson, inventor Thomas Edison, and composers Ir Irving Berlin and George Gershwin. No, no statement on if he uh, read into George Gershwin's ghost. <laughs> Now, we've kind of alluded to, uh, as we've kind of alluded to, most of Casey's readings dealt with health and wellness, including illness treatments. Um, now, with his health readings, Casey focused on the person holistically, trying to help them achieve a healthy body to get rid of the root cause of their illness. Casey said the main reason he suggested the cures he did was this, quote, assimilation of needed properties through the digestive system from food taken into the body. All treatments, including all schools and types of treatment, were given in order to establish the proper equilibrium of the uh, assimilating system, end quote. This simple, basic goal led to a wide variety of treatments, though. Casey suggested things like hot compresses, salt packs, magnetism, vibrator treatment, oh. massage, chiropractic adjustments, dental work, inhalants, essential oils, mud baths, and our favorites, colonics and enemas. Oh. Uh, the best part of waking up, up is Folgers in your butt. Um, never heard that before, you guys. That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true listener of this show. Uh, Although, if I had to pick something off that list, I'll go with the inhalants. Thank you. <laughs> oh. somebody, likes, somebody likes huffing markers. Um, Shh. So Casey also advised using certain substances uh, to his patients like herbs, salts, oils, witch hazel, iodine, alcohol, uh, lactated pepsin, turpentine, charcoal, animated ash. And we're not talking Pokemon here this time. Uh, cream of tartar and gold solution. <laughs> All these treatments were designed to help the patient get past conditions that kept them from optimal digestion or nutritional assimilation, as Casey put it. While some of this stuff sounds pretty old-fashioned, some of Casey's health advice, like good diet, holds up today. For instance, Casey advocated for a diet that was similar to one of the most popular diets today, the Mediterranean diet. He also advised people to eat locally grown organic foods. Here are some of Casey's health tips. Uh, from a reading in 1936, quote, Plenty of lettuce should always be eaten by most everybody. For this supplies an effluvium in the bloodstream itself that is a destructive force to most of those influences that attack the bloodstream. It, it's a purifier, end quote. From a 1935 reading, quote, For each and every body, there should be the thorough mastication. For it is, for if this is done, the activity of the glands in the mouth and the cell... Saliv 
saliva <laughs> is <laughs> is such as to keep the throat and the bronchi in a much healthier condition. Bolting food or swallowing it by use of liquids produces more colds than any one activity of a diet. In 1931, Casey said this, at least two quarts, eight cups of water, should be taken a day by everyone, end quote. I don't know why he's getting, like, British. But, uh, <laughs> in 1937, he said, there should be an overtaxing of the body, and there should be periods of relaxation, as there must be in everyone's experience, end quote. That's, I like that that's one. That's probably that a little a closer, one. you know? We're, yeah, we're talking maybe. about a guy from Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, that was... Kentucky. <laughs> uh, and in 1926, Casey advised the following. Keep the eliminations in the system. Uh, that is, through the intestinal tract, acting normally and properly. Even through enemas and cleansing of the colon are resorted to, which is well for anyone to do. Uh, for though, for through same many reinfections take place by overtaxing the system with drosses, 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 drosses from fermentation as takes place in ascending or traverse colon, end quote. Jesus Christ, why is it so fucking hard no to wonder, read that shit? It's no <laughs> wonder Edgar Casey didn't believe himself. He had no idea what the hell he was talking about. I don't, it's like it's like reading like uh, an AI translation of of something someone else said. Like it, it's so weird. You know, I think they used that quote in that episode of Third Rock from the Sun where Harry gets everybody to get colonics. Oh, I related to that episode so hard. Hey, Andy, you know something else that's hard? Yeah. Medical professionals knowing if their prescribed treatments will help their patients. Oh, yeah. Too. Sorry, I misled you again. Anyway, oh, yeah. this was this was true for Edgar Casey too. But Casey wasn't just a diagnostic healer. He used his readings to help check his patients' recoveries. He could tell if his treatments were successful treating the illness. While Casey gained fame for these healing treatments, as we've mentioned, his readings covered a diverse range of topics, more than 10,000 topics in total, actually. Casey's readings are sometimes categorized into five smaller groups that cover most of his readings. These groups are, drumroll please, health-related information, philosophy and reincarnation, Dreams and dream interpretation, ESP and psychic phenomena, and finally, spiritual growth, meditation, and prayer. During readings, Casey would sometimes make prophecies, predicting future events. For example, he predicted the stock market crash of 1925, and he predicted the 1929 stock market crash in two separate readings, one in 1925 and again in the March of 1929, just six months before the crash itself. In 1935, Casey made a big prediction about World War II, foreseeing an alliance between Germany, Austria, and Japan. The alliance would finally become a reality in 1940. Casey also predicted that, quote, the whole world will be set on fire by the militaristic groups, end quote. Now, Casey predicted a revolution in the USA, saying the following. There must eventually come a revolution in this country, 
and there will be a dividing of the sections as one against another. For these are the leveling means and manners to which men resort when there is plenty in some areas and a lack of sustenance in others, end quote. But turmoil wasn't just to be had in the United States, according to Casey. He also predicted global disasters. Quote, the earth will be broken up in many places. The early portion will see a change in the physical aspect of the west coast of America. There will appear open waters in the northern portions of Greenland. There will be new... There will be seen new lands of the Caribbean Sea. South America will be shaken from the uppermost portion to the end. And the Antarctic off Tierra del Fuego. uh, The Antarctic off Tierra del Fuego will be land. And a strait will, will, with rushing waters, end quote. He also said this, quote, Lands will appear in the Atlantic as well as in the Pacific. And Poseida Uh, will be among the first portions of Atlantis to rise again, expected in 68 or 69. Nice. (laughs) Not so far away, end quote. I remember when that happened in 68 and 69. (laughs) I know. You guys remember when Atlantis came back? Yeah, Yeah. I do. Yeah, I remember remember that. That That really took people's minds off Vietnam. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you know, fellas, Casey talked about Atlantis uh, quite a bit in his readings. Uh, Casey characterized Atlantis as an advanced civilization that existed about 12,000 years ago. Now, before you start to say that Atlantis wasn't discovered in the late 1960s, uh, keep in mind that uh, Bimini Road was discovered in 1968. Uh, The Bimini Road, if you don't know, is an underwater rock formation that looks a lot like pavement on the seafloor. And some people believe the road is the entrance to the city of Atlantis. Well, you just made me shove my foot right in my mouth, didn't you? There you go. Take a big old chomp out of that, TJ. Um, My toes taste not good. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Casey prophesied a number of other things that seemingly came to fruition. For example, he predicted the use of blood in medical diagnostics, the discovery of La Nina and El Nino weather weather effects, uh, telecom company consolidations, and the Dead Sea Scrolls, which weren't discovered until after Casey died. Speaking of, even after Casey died, he was still making predictions. When he died, Casey left his personal journal to a friend. Casey gave his friend instructions to not reveal the contents of the journal until October 30th, 1994, a day before my birthday. (laughs) Inside the journal, there are seven predictions for events in the years 1995 to 1999. The journal also has this warning. Quote, let all wise men heed the predictions herein. The earthly reign of the Lord truly is at hand. End quote. Edgar Casey got a lot of different voices in this episode. Oh, yeah. um, so there was that warning. Edgar Casey, Y2K, what else do I have to say? We didn't start the fire. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> I, I thought I was at both. At Billy Joel trivia night again. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. Yes, I, it's easy to it make happens, a mistake. Guys, it happens. Yeah. Anyway, how accurate were Edgar Casey's predictions? Well, some oh. people think Edgar Casey was pretty doggone good at predicting stuff. For example, David Martinique, author of Edgar Casey and the End Times, said, quote, There's no doubt that the predictions are accurate because a number of them have already come to pass. Mr. Casey foresaw the advent of AIDS, the collapse of the Soviet Union, and the rise of Iraq's Saddam Hussein as an evil force in the Middle East. 
events that occurred prior to October 30th, 1994, but were included in the diary, end quote. And that's just predictions from the diary. Back in 1971, Edgar's sons, the terribly named Hugh Lynn, <laughs> and the mediocrely named Edgar <laughs> Evans, wrote in their book, The Outer Limits of Edgar Casey's Power, that Edgar's readings were about 85% successful. Now, now, even with this pretty high success rate, Casey struggled for much of his adult life with the morality of his abilities. Uh, we've mentioned it quite a bit here, but uh, as this was a big point of contention, some other Christians of the time even accused Casey of demonic practices. Um, eventually, Casey came to believe that his channeling powers were really just his subconscious mind going into a dream world where all minds across time and space were connected. And while some Christians thought Casey was doing uh, evil devil stuff, oh yeah, ARE members come from a variety of Christian denominations as well as other religions. Ultimately, Casey believed that anything that made you a better member of your church was a good thing. The only bad things were things that drove you away from your church. Bad. Philosophically speaking, Casey believed that everything was one, so to speak. Everything is connected. ARE was not supposed to divide or oppose any religion or religious institution, but to help people connect with something universal that underlies all religions. Here are a couple of quotes that kind of sum up Casey's feelings on his work and goals. My mission, if I know it at all, is to help individuals find their relationship to the creator. If it is necessary for some to find him through the cure of physical ills, then we must work towards that. I think that's my favorite, Edgar. There, oh, yeah, that's right. That's Maintain the that the rest yeah, of the time. Just keep that one, yeah. Yeah. And, well, here's another quote. The cause of illness is sin. Anything which separates us from that within, uh, which makes us alive, is sin. So all forms of healing, whether through physicians of the various schools or through spiritual healing direct from the one source, are to enable us to find our relationship to life itself, that is, God. In pursuit of that noble goal, Edgar Casey has left behind quite a legacy. Today, the ARE headquarters are still in Virginia Beach, where they take up an entire city block. The HQ is home to several uh, organizations dedicated to further Casey's mission. Uh, Atlantic University, of course, but you already knew about that one already. Uh, the Casey Riley School of Massotherapy, uh, or Massage Therapy. The Edgar Casey Foundation, which uh, preserves Casey's readings. The Health and Rejuvenation Center. And ARE, Inc., uh, which was described by a 1991 brochure as, quote, a living network of people who are finding a deeper meaning in life through the psychic work of Edgar Casey. end quote. Uh, with more than 50,000 volumes, uh, the ARE Library has one of the world's largest collections of parapsychological and metaphysical literature. ARE also has mediums on site for people to connect with the deceased. Uh, they also do psychic training on site, uh, which they say is just a natural ability of the soul. Another Virginia Beach company, Home Health Products Incorporated, still sells remedies devised by Casey during his readings. Home Health Products describes its offering as, quote, natural products for a holistic approach to healthcare, end quote, 
and bills itself as, quote, an official supplier of Edgar Casey products for health, beauty, and wellness, end quote. Uh, one way to underscore Edgar Casey's impact comes from this quote, which appears in ARE mailings to potential members. Quote, there is no human problem for which the Casey predictions do not offer hope. End quote. Ah, oh, help us, Edgar Juan Casey Noby. You're our only hope. <laughs> I get a, it. Yeah, not a 90s sitcom, I know, but still, it's a good flick, you know. Check it out. Spoiler alert. The oh, Death Star me. goes boom, boom. Oh, whoa. Uh, come on, man. I've only seen Star Wars episodes one through three and seven through nine. I was saving those shitty old movies for last. I mean, can you guys imagine how bad those movies must look? I know. No CGI, no Jar Jar. I mean, give me a break. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, Misa hate that movie. <laughs> oh, boy. Art. I like you, but you're more annoying than Kimmy Gibbler. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, the lovable you know, neighbor of you know Full House, Kimmy is. Gibbler? Yeah, you know who she is. An annoying neighbor of Full House. Well, oh, she was best friends with DJ. She was. Yes. Oh, she was annoying. Nobody liked Very her. Very annoying. Very <laughs> annoying. That's how annoying you are. Wow. Anyway, look, I'm sorry. That was harsh. That was harsh. But you I'm deserved not, it, Art. Yeah, I'm I not taking it back. I'm just acknowledging that it was harsh. Despite Casey's goal of helping people get more in touch with the timeless fabric of the universe and to provide healing, his readings are not without controversy, if you can imagine that. (laughs) An example of a controversial claim made by Casey is polygenism. Polygenism. It's, yeah. Polygenism. Oh, well... It's polygenism, yeah, which is the idea that people of different races have different biological origins. This contrasts with the uh, much less controversial monogenism, that word, which <laughs> which posits that all humans have the same origin. Obviously, polygenism has been used at times to justify racist viewpoints. And to support racial inequality. That was actually a very heavy paragraph, you guys. It was. And, um, you know, it's a serious topic. And uh, I did not mean to mispronounce those words and insert uh, jokes there. That was not my (laughs) intent. Um, But historian Olav Hammer has noted that a number of Casey's readings talked about race. Hammer believes Casey was not necessarily himself racist, but was just influenced by the writing of Theosophical Society co-founder Helena Blotlovsky. In fact, a lot of skeptics tend to think that Casey was not actually clairvoyant, but that he just read a lot and maybe he had a photographic memory. Many have pointed out that Casey worked in a bookstore, so he likely would have had access to literature on a wide array of subjects. He also lived with doctors, so it's possible he could have picked up some information on that as well. In the 1997 book, Why People Believe Weird Things, Michael Shermer wrote, quote, Uneducated beyond the ninth grade, Casey acquired his broad knowledge through voracious reading, and from this, he wove elaborate tales, end quote. Shermer wrote further, 
Quote, Casey was fantasy prone from his youth, often talking with angels and receiving visions of his dead grandfather, end quote. Martin Gardner wrote that Casey's readings have, quote, little bits of information gleaned from here and there in occult literature, spiced with occasional novelties from Casey's unconscious. Of course, Casey believers think that it wasn't possible in Kentucky at the time for Casey to access all the literature necessary to make the photographic memory hypothesis plausible. Now, one noted skeptic, James the Amazing Randy, Randy, uh, felt <laughs> that, uh, I mean, that's his name, yeah. uh, felt that Casey was no different than any other psychic. Randy said this, Casey was fond of expressions like, I feel that, and perhaps, qualifying words used to avoid positive declarations. It is a common tool in the psychic trade. Many of the letters he received, in fact, most, contained specific details about the illness for which readings were required. Um, and there was nothing to stop Casey from knowing the contents of the letter and presenting that information as if it were a divine revelation. To one who had been through dozens of similar diagnoses, as I have, uh, the methods are obvious. It is merely a specialized version of the, quote, generalization uh, technique of fortune tellers. Now, the Skeptic's Dictionary notes this. According to Dale uh, Bayerstein, uh, these documents, Casey's, the documents being Casey's readings, are worthless by themselves because they provide no way of distinguishing what Casey discerned by psychic ability from information provided to him by his assistants, by letters from patients, or by simple observation. Now, skeptics also feel like many of the claims about Casey's powers come from sensationalist media sources, anecdotes, testimonials, and books, rather than some kind of empirical evidence. For example, many of the more fantastical stories about Casey's life seem validated by Thomas Sugaru's uh, biography of Casey, uh, which is There Is a River. However, Sugaru um, believed he had been cured of illness by Casey. He's not exactly an impartial observer. Despite all the testimony of people who felt they had been cured by Casey, there's no real way to show that Casey's powers contributed to the cure, or if it was just a placebo effect. There's even in cases, there's that's true even in cases where it's clear that Casey was the key in helping the person get better. The Amazing Randy, in his 1982 book, The Truth About Uri Geller, writes, quote, The matter of Edgar Cayce boils down to a vague mass of garbled data interpreted by true believers who have a very heavy stake in the acceptance of the claims. Put to the test, Cayce is found to be bereft of powers. His reputation today rests on poor and deceptive reporting of the claims made by him and his followers, and such claims do not stand up to examination, end quote. Another one of this show's favorite skeptics, Joe Papa Bear Nickel, that's his official nickname, uh, noted in 1993's Looking for a Miracle, Weeping Icons, Relics, Stigmata, Visions, and Healing Cures, quote, Although Casey was never subjected to proper testing, ESP pioneer Joseph B. Ryan of Duke University, who should have been sympathetic to Casey's claims, was unimpressed. A reading that Casey gave for Ryan's daughter was notably inaccurate. Frequently, Casey was even wider off the mark as when he provided diagnoses of subjects who had died since the letters requesting the readings were sent, end quote. In fact, people schooled in medicine tend to believe Casey's treatments are quackery, which is just fun to say. Quackery. Quack and boss. Quackery. If I had a pet duck, 
I'd name it Quackery. Oh. Because it's like Zachary, but he's a duck. <laughs> Quackery. <laughs> Anywho, Casey was one of the first people to suggest latrile or amygdalin as a cure for cancer. Latrile is a chemical compound that occurs naturally in the seeds of some stone fruits and apples, among other things. Uh, while it's never been shown to be effective against cancer, the real issue is that latrile turns into cyanide inside the body. So it poisons the user. Uh, we're mentioning James Randi here a lot. I get it. Uh, but he's got good quotes, people. I mean, come on. Uh, Randy said Casey, quote, loved to have his patients boiling the most obscure roots and bark to make nasty syrups. Perhaps the therapy was based on nauseating the victim so much that the original illness was forgotten, end quote. Randy also noted in his book Flim Flam that Casey's cures were a lot like many home remedies available in consumer medical books, which would have been common reading material in rural homes in Casey's early life. Karen Stolznow, uh, writing in the book Language, Myths, Mysteries, and Magic, sums it up like this, quote, The reality is that his cures were hearsay, and his treatments were folk remedies that were useless at best and dangerous at worst. Casey wasn't able to cure his own cousin or his own son who died as a baby. Many of Casey's readings took place after the patient had already died. End quote. Ooh, there was a lot of shade in that those last paragraphs. This is very shady, yeah. Well, the high success of Casey's predictions has also been called into question. While Casey did get some predictions correct, some skeptics think that Casey is no different than The Simpsons. With so much material out there, you're bound to get at least a few things right. <laughs> Casey did make notable predictions that failed to materialize. For example, he predicted 1933 would be a good year. Now, I don't know if there's history buffs out there, but in reality... 1993 saw this guy I don't know people heard of called Adolf Hitler get appointed to be Chancellor of Germany. And then the Great Depression continued to terrorize the USA and the global economy bottomed out. So yeah, 33, great year. It was a great year. And in the 1930s, Casey predicted that uh, the destruction of American cities would happen, saying, quote, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and others will be among those that will be destroyed before New York. End quote. I end the quote because these things have not happened. <laughs> In 1994, Casey predicted that by 1968, China would be, quote, the cradle of Christianity. And um, I'm not going to get into geopolitics, but I bet you know that it's not. <laughs> About Russia... Casey prophesied that from Russia, quote, comes the hope of the world, not in respect to what is sometimes termed communism or Bolshevism, but freedom, that each man will live with his and for his fellow man, end quote. He also foresaw that Russia was to be guided by friendship with the U.S., and we all know how great friends Russia and the U.S. are right now. Just they can't stop getting along. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Casey also predicted Armageddon would happen in 1999. And um, here we are. But to be fair, he was only one year off from his prediction because the movie Armageddon was released in 1998. We can only assume that that's what Edgar Casey meant. Right. That he was talking right. about right. The, the feature the, film. The Bruce Willis action 
Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, Liv Tyler, man. Well, he certainly wasn't talking about Deep Impact. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe when he and Gertrude were alone. (laughs) Oh, I see what you did there. Okay. Okay. We're saucy. Like a true clairvoyant, though, Casey practically anticipated that people might try to make a stink about the unfulfilled prophecies. So Casey was ready with an answer. According to Casey, prophecies are merely warnings, you guys. Uh, The point of a prophecy is generally to avoid that thing happening. So if I tell you about it, you're going to believe me and keep it from happening. Yep. If people heed the warning, the thing doesn't happen. A mm-hmm. plus B equals C. Come on, <laughs> it's so simple. Didn't realize we were going to have Pythagoras on yeah. with us today, but here we are. Just because a prophecy doesn't get fulfilled doesn't mean the prophet was wrong. Mm. There we go. There's always an out. So yeah. as we mentioned already, Casey was also an Atlantis advocate. We also mentioned before about his prediction that Atlantis would reemerge in 1968 or 1969. Nice. Uh, as you can probably guess, skeptics aren't really believers in the area that the Bimini Road is an actual paved area, and skeptics think it's just like a natural rock formation. Yeah. Or could be the path from SpongeBob's house. Yeah. That's my yes. that's my prediction. Personal hypothesis. So uh, beyond this prediction, Casey predicted a few other things about Atlantis, which the Skeptics Dictionary refers to as, quote, some of the sillier notions about Atlantis. Quote, so silly. We love silly. Now, for example, Casey said Atlantis used a giant solar crystal to generate power and do all kinds of crazy things. But the Atlanteans got too greedy and turned the frequency of the crystal up way too high, which caused volcanic eruptions and caused their own destruction. A plus B uh, equals C. Yeah, come exactly. on. We all know that if you turn the frequency of a crystal up too high, it could cause a volcano explosion. You guys, that's, that's basic yeah, science. You guys remember that old rhyme, you know, don't turn the frequency up of the crystal. <laughs> you know, like we all heard that. This is Everybody this did is, it in yeah. kindergarten. This, this is, is not new info. Stuff. Yep. Yeah. Now, in a reading, Casey saw that surviving Atlanteans on the run from the destruction uh, buried a cache of their ancient knowledge in a hall of great records which was under the Sphinx on the Giza Plateau, now in Egypt. Uh, Casey predicted the Hall of Records would be discovered before the year 2000. Casey also predicted that in 1958, the USA would discover a death ray used by the Atlanteans. So Casey clearly has his critics among scientists and skeptics, but he also has Christian critics. Some Christian folks feel that Casey's views are at odds with the teachings of the Bible. For example, in Segru's book, There is a River, Segru says the following, quote, The system of metaphysical thought which emerges from the readings of Edgar Cayce is a Christianized version of the mystery religions of ancient Egypt, Chaldea, Persia, India, and Greece, end quote. To some Christians, that view is much more in keeping with the occult or the New Age movement than biblical Christian tradition. Similarly, Cayce believed that all people were part of the divine, saying, quote, Each person is a corpuscle in the body of that force called God, end quote. Christian doctrine generally holds that God is the creator of all things and is not generally identified with any of those creations. Christians may also take issue with Casey readings that basically say that Jesus was the same as any other person. Uh, Segru wrote that the Christ soul was just the first soul to finish earthly experiences and go back to God. The Christ soul was manifested in the persons of Enoch, Melchizedek, Joseph, Joshua, Jeshua, 
And at last, Jesus. When the Christ soul was incarnated as Jesus, it overcame mortality and death, returning to God and becoming, quote, the pattern we are to follow, end quote. So despite his efforts, in the end, maybe Casey wasn't able to fully reconcile the metaphysical contents of his readings with his long-held Christian beliefs. Bunkfunkers, I'm stroking my scrying orb. Ooh, let me, ooh, let me look deep into the mists of time. What do I see? Hmm, I see a man. Ooh, he's lying down on the couch. Uh, he, he appears to be sleeping. I can see all of creation within him. His aura is as big as all things. <laughs> ooh, hmm, what is that over there? Looks like a plate. Ah, yes, and on top of it uh, appears to be some kind of rolled food. Uh, ooh, a crepe? No, 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 an enchilada. <laughs> yes, I'm certain of it. It's a whole enchilada. Oh, and there, Bungfunkers, I see you. You have the look of a person with a hungry mind, tummy. Ooh, now I see the whole enchilada moving toward you. Oh, it's going to your mind, tummy. And now, Bungfunker, your aura has changed. You seem... Fulfilled. Namaste. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Sure is chilly outside, Art. Andy, where's your jacket? Art, did you hear me? The wind chill is 30 below. Andy, I think you have hypothermia. You know, Art, with the horrific chilly weather outside, the only thing that'll warm me up is listening to Andy and Art debunked. Available only on patreon.com slash mrbunkerpod. Are you seriously shilling our Patreon right now? Oh, Art. Laughing at the antics of Andy and Art is all the warmth I need. And for just $5 a month, I get access to all the episodes of the show, behind-the-scenes updates, sneak peeks at episodes, and I can chat with Andy and Art on the Bunker Discord. Andy, we need to get you to a hospital. We need to get me to patreon.com slash mrbunkerpod. So chilly. Oh, God. I'm shilled to the bone. Welcome back, bunkfuckers. That was our research of Edgar Casey, but you already knew that because you're a couple of clairvoyants. Yeah, yeah. All two of you that are listening, yeah, just <laughs> you a both, of you. you both already knew that was happening. You knew that was happening. <laughs> yeah. With us still is uh, TJ from the Pick yes. Me Podcast. Pick Me Podcast at Pick Me Pod. Pick Me That's right. My um, mind tummy is so full, you guys. Oh, oh yeah, that and my was... actual tummy too. I was eating uh, taquitos that whole time. Oh. That was that was a mighty stuffed enchilada. I oh yes, say. sir. Oh yeah, that was yeah, one was... Uh, extra large tortilla. TJ got brought yeah. in for a uh, more work than he probably expected. <laughs> well, you know, look, I've I've listened to many episodes of Mister Bunker's Conspiracy Time. I have feasted on many a whole enchilada. You know, I didn't realize that it would be so fulfilling, even if I helped make the enchilada. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're we're not allowed to work in professional kitchens because we do like to nibble uh, on what we're making. 
Uh, and that's why <laughs> I didn't work from uh, 2005 through 2015 uh, because <laughs> I was blackballed from every restaurant on earth. Wow. Look, look, you lick your fingers in view of the public one time. Yeah, yeah but it tastes Five good. times. It's whipped cream. Times. It tastes good. So, uh, fellas, let's let's get some uh, blanket statements out here. Look, but I also want to know. We're taking the dog to the vet. Let's throw <sighs> some blanket statements down in the car. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What a fucking stretch. <laughs> Holy shit. I hope he didn't hurt your groin uh, stretching that one. Oh, no. It's hurt for other reasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, Overuse. What about, what about, <laughs> oh, it's what a about, joke because you know it's not true. Yeah. Oh, God. What about hypnotism? Either you ever been hypnotized? You ever uh, get into that? You believe in it? You uh, feel like you could fall under hypnosis? Man, I, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I'm really on the fence about hypnotism and pretty okay. much on one side of the fence, actually, that it it's probably some bunk. Ooh, oh, um, I've never been hypnotized and I don't think I've ever attempt. I've never had like the opportunity to be hypnotized by a uh, like actual hypnotist. Um, so I've, I guess I've never had that experience. Um, as far as does it work? I kind of um, I, I'm a little on the fence, I think. Um, well, because, what does it work in what way? What do you mean? Well, you that's, can do it. That's where I'm that's where I'm going with this is like, okay. can it? Does it lead to all of these things that people like say that it does? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, for example, like I used to know somebody who um, saw a hypnotist for a smoking cessation mm. and it didn't work, didn't take. Um, so maybe that person was an Edgar Casey type. Uh, couldn't <laughs> get to the third stage. I don't know. Couldn't get to that third stage. But, um, I, I, you know, I, I guess somebody explained it once to me like this, that when you're under hypnosis, you can never do anything against your will. Uh, like, you know, people sometimes think of like a hypnotist being able to control people. Yeah. But it's really like hypnotism is more about like um, helping a person access the all of their mind at once. Like being able to, you know, uh, recall things that they otherwise have like blocked off in their conscious. Like it's to get into the subconscious. Right. Um, and so somebody told me once like you can never do anything against your will hypnosis is just a way uh for you to get to a point where you're willing to take a suggestion you're willing to do something that you're already willing to do but that maybe you have like an inhibition uh to do it or something like that um or you have something in your conscious mind that blocks you um so in that sense i'm kind of like yeah i mean i guess i could believe that if you like but i don't know i mean it's like at the same time it's like you I mean it seems like you're still a little bit aware like you you know you don't like completely shut off and so I guess I don't know I've never had the I mean I it's almost one of those things where I think for me to have a real good opinion I'd have to go through it. Yeah. I've seen it happen when I when I went to college, you know, they they uh like your freshman the freshmen they kind of put on different activities on campus to kind of you know have little fun things to do and one of the things was they brought in a hypnotist. Oh. And um, not like hypnotize your classmates. That, <laughs> no, weird. Um, they in uh, you know, it was like a fun little event to go to. And I mean, people apparently got hypnotized and the hypnotist was able to make them do silly things on stage, you know, made somebody sing Lady Gaga like in public and stuff and then made someone else, you know, um, do, you know, like act like a chicken. And it's it, to me, it almost seems like it's kind of like I'm a chicken, Marge. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, it, it's like know. it's like it's like making you kind of 
not inebriated, but like it's 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 lowering those like fears and inhibitions where you would have where you're like, oh, I, I would be way too afraid to sing Lady Gaga on stage. To maybe right. it's like kind of making you feel like I can fucking get up here and sing Lady Gaga. Well, I mean, I and there's there's like a big break in what people think about hypnosis right there. You know, like true actual hypnosis is someone coming to your college and making someone stand on one foot or quack like a duck. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. And, right. You know, and that's like suggestion. You know, that's completely different than, oh, I've extracted repressed memories from right. this person while they were under hypnosis. That's yeah. that's the part that because if we already know that it's about making you suggestive, that's how you can get people to quack like a duck or right. sing Lady Gaga in public when they wouldn't normally want to. So, you know, you're already suggestive. So if you're quote unquote under hypnosis and the doctor's like, tell me about the time that you were abducted by aliens, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be suddenly, oh, shit. I have a repressed memory of getting abducted by aliens. No, it's like you were you were under hypnosis. Somebody said aliens and then you recalled Independence Day in your subconscious. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do think that's a very good point, TJ, because I think yeah. a lot of times, you know, with things like alien abduction, um, there there are a lot of um, or, or we, when we studied when we looked into the Mandela effect. Uh, this came up also where I think some, you know, it's like um, there, there's like an activist person that we talked about in that episode whose name escapes me um, that does like works, works with the like it, within the legal system um, and is basically kind of like for people who give testimony in court about certain things that they may have, um, you know, like come up with through something like hypnosis where they recovered repressed memories, like sort of challenges that notion that people are actually remembering bona fide uh, instances of abuse or something that it's that it's something that was suggested to them by the hypnotist and therefore you know that's something that the person's recalling um, not of their own volition but because that was fed to them right. right so I think it's a very fair question to say like if somebody recalls anything or says anything under the you know in while they're while they're hypnotized like. Is that a genuine thing that they're saying or is it just suggestion? Because I don't know how you get around that. You know, right. like how do you how do you lead somebody to to ask about something specific? You know, especially with like Casey, he's being asked specific questions about a person rather than saying like, what do you see? You right, know, like yeah. or what what's in your mind right now? Like rather than, you know, he's there because they're trying to get to a specific thing. So it's hard to like take away the that there is some a level of suggestion. Well, it's a good thing that he was asleep, so he can't be held responsible for any of his <laughs> predictions, right? Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. I mean, that's that's why I spend most of my day asleep. That way, no matter what happens, I can't be blamed because I was asleep, right? <laughs> He's sleeping right now, folks. This is all a recording. <laughs> Art's, Art's pressing a button. Yeah. My responses are so hack and predictable. Yes, yes, they are. Um, well, I mean, what what are some what are some blanket thoughts here on Mr. Casey? I mean, where where are we kind of leaning here? I mean, I think I get an idea of where Andy's leaning. I always do, <laughs> especially with topics like this. But uh, TJ, where where are you kind of at? Man, this is a really tough one for me. Yeah, because um, 
even though you know i i have uh i have negative things to say about the entire process and about the the trust that we put into these people when they say things that you know they say that they're channeling something or they're tapping into the quote unquote akashic record it but that that doesn't necessarily mean that i think that it's not possible yeah you know okay um that's that's just where i'm 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 always i'm always on the side of open mind because Mm -hmm. in my 40 years of life i have come to realize that so often we present this front of knowledge that we know everything to do with this and that's the front that we put out and then when you actually get into studying it you realize that a lot of what we quote unquote know is based on layers of assumption. Yep. 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 So yeah, now they are true. good guesses. I'm not going to there. There's a reason that those assumptions are made, but at the end of the day, they are assumptions, you know? And yeah. if you, if you have a theory that is based on levels of assumption, if one of those assumptions are wrong in that, le- in those layers, then the whole thing falls apart. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Point. So I keep my mind open for things like that. Now, that being said, kind of, do you guys remember uh, Miss Cleo? Yes. You guys remember Miss Cleo? You know, she would, she would tell you if you called in, she would tell you about the guy with the thing on his face and it suddenly means that you're going to find love tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And that worked for me. (laughs) Well, I'm glad it did work for you because it didn't work for millions, (laughs) (laughs) but she made millions. Very true. So this is what makes me complicated with Edgar Cayce, because this is a man that didn't believe a lot of, you know, like, for instance, that theosophist said, you told me that I was reincarnated. And Edgar Cayce's like, no, I didn't. I don't believe in that shit. Yeah. (laughs) But at the same time, if you read the quote, yeah, you did, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And he he was a very devout Christian, yet believed things that was that, you know, were totally rejected, especially by Kentucky Christians of that era. Right. So he's putting himself in a bad spot locally. He doesn't believe the things that he's saying and he wants no money. So it's (laughs) like that's like, well. That's like the agenda for every hoax. Right. So if you don't, if you're not wanting those things, then what's the point? And th- at that point, you're left with, well, shit, you know, he was right about some things. Yeah. True. Yeah. No, I think I think that's pretty fair um, because it, it seems pretty obvious, like at, at the start, um, he kind of has these abilities so to speak, like he's at least presenting that he has some of these abilities. Like people are, are like kind of noticing this and he keeps, he, he routinely uh, rejects money. Um, but then eventually it kind of cozies up to the idea that, you know, like you could, he could do this all the time and there's like money in it. So I guess for me, some of the question is like, you know, if you, if you take that assumption that he was just had a photographic memory, which, Makes a little bit of sense to me, right. I, I think. Um, and you say like, okay, he just he memorized a lot of books and like he he had a really good memory for things. Um, 
Like if you start, if you start to, from that place, it's like, I could see where he might say, oh, I don't want to take money because I don't want to get sued. Um, because eventually somebody's going to discover that I don't, right. I'm not actually doing anything other than like regurgitating information from a book with my own little spin on it. Um, and you know, it's like, obviously when things started to get more legitimate and the ARE is founded and you know, they have an association and people are, have to be members like, you know, for legal purposes, they make you say you're just going to a psychic experiment. So, you know, I think in some sense, it's like maybe, maybe Casey's guarded himself so that he doesn't, because he's aware of like the legal ramifications right. of what he's doing. But at the same time, you can't deny the guy did get a few things right. Um, yeah. But, you know, people say that about Nostradamus too. And a lot of it, like, especially, I mean, Casey's a little bit different. Um, it's easier to understand, but like, with Nostradamus, it's like you have to interpret everything. Right. Yeah. And so right. I always feel like, well, yeah, I got, I mean, I guess you could say he got stuff right, but it's like, there's no way to know that he was actually predicting the thing that you're saying that he got right. And now, real quick, uh, the thing that you were talking about, you know, the uh, legal ram, the legal protections that the ARE put in place. Now, wasn't that really, if to, to kind of excuse that behavior, wasn't that, after he got arrested in Detroit for um, practicing without a license. Yeah, that I think that was after that in the timeline. So, like he got so it's kind of like conviction. he learned that lesson. Nobody was trying yeah. to get him for that in uh, backwater Kentucky. Yeah, but once he was in Detroit, telling people, "Hey, boil these roots," that's when somebody <laughs> was like, "Hey, maybe we have an issue here." Yeah, no, that and that's and that's fair too. I mean, I definitely don't think that it's like totally clear on its face that Edgar Casey's just a charlatan. Right. Right. I, I mean, with Edgar Casey, it's, it's, it is interesting. It's almost like, um, uh, everything we're doing, even talking about him right now is kind of going against his wishes. Cause right. he, he did not want to be the star of the show. I don't think, he, and he did not like grandiosity. I think that he, it was a guy who, you know, he's, he's, fr he's, he, he was born on a small farm, ninth grade education. Obviously, a very still a very smart man, even without the you know whatever. That I don't give a shit about the ninth grade education, but yeah, obviously a well read man. I could barely read half the shit he was saying. <laughs> um, I mean, I have a, a college degree. Yeah, I mean, so, I, not maybe the best. Okay, like sure litmus test here. Yeah, okay, but, fine, fair enough. Yeah, Mister Dirigible <laughs> over here might even look at it and say like, oh. This guy's got a vocab, but um, to me, he feels like a guy who was sort of like, man, I got this fucking great gift from God. God damn, man. I fucking, I just want to help people. And he, he does have noble pursuits. He seems like an right. admirable That's man. Thing. Yeah. But it, it also seems like maybe he got steered in the wrong direction by a lot of people trying to uh, attach themselves to his coattails in a like way. Like quack and boss. Like Quack and Boss. The Quack and Boss. That, my favorite Dark Souls boss, Quack and Boss. Uh, <laughs> I love that chapter where you have to fight that boss. Um, you know, I think it is possible, though, that, uh, too, that Casey believed that he had these abilities. Yes. You know, it could be that he had a photographic memory. Yeah. And it could be that he was going into a hypnotic trance that he could put himself into and that... He wove, he just wove stories through his subconscious, but really didn't know that he was doing that, you know, and didn't know that he's not like accessing, you know, all of the, the parts of the, everything in the universe all at once. You know, it's possible that he, he knew that. I mean, 
you know, I think the the hard thing with it is like judging his success at all. There's really no like empirical testing of it. You right. know, it's right. like all of his success is from anecdotes or testimonies, yeah. you know, so it's, it's hard to, it's hard to get a gauge for like, did what was he actually doing when he's in this? I mean, yeah, modern medicine can barely fucking test for certain things. And you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of like doctors just being like, yeah, we don't really know what's happening. I guess we'll just wait and see. Right. Like, uh, it's, <laughs> that's like, a, that's like a bulk of, you know, I've, I've been seeing in the hospital. I, I've been seeing a doctor, uh, for something sexually, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sexual uh, overperformance, I guess. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. yeah, then we'll go there. Yeah, and the doctor, the doctor. I mean, not to not to criticize my doctor because I think I have a good doctor, but um, my doctor basically said, like, well, you know, we're gonna get to a point where the treat- no, no, no. We get what you're saying, Andy. Fuck all doctors. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you you started a, you started an organization. You said fuck doctors without borders. You said how about doctors without heads? Yeah, yeah. So uh. I started. <laughs> D-W-I-H, uh, uh, And so, but the doctor's like, we're going to get to a point where we could do more diagnostic tests and maybe figure out what the root cause of this is. But at the end of the day, the treatment isn't going to change. Yeah. So like, while I can't tell you today that I have any idea exactly what the problem is, I would have to do more tests. It maybe isn't beneficial even to do those tests because it's not going to change the outcome at all. Yeah. So- well- well, and that's a doctor today, you know, who's right. gone through, who's actually gone through uh, an education system that was yeah. meant for yeah. him to be a doctor. Right. Um, that it brings back to my mind that claim of if if this is true, you know, and all of the knowledge that he was telling people was based on, you know, uh, photographic memory because he looked at a book one time when he was working in the library. Exactly. When did a small town in Kentucky be the deposit for all the medical knowledge in the world? You know, <laughs> when did they decide, you know, there is there's a town in Kentucky that has almost a thousand people living in it. We need to get all the knowledge into that library. <laughs> and, well, that's it, yeah. So I think so that's it, that's that's another thing against it. And um, Michael Shermer, who actually is one of my least favorite skeptics ever. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, oh, hot take. Just because, I mean, I this in, this is an example right here of what I'm saying about why I dislike Shermer so much. Yeah. In in his proof, as part of his proof against Edgar Casey being real, he said he was apt to flights of fancy in his youth. Because he said he talked to angels and could see his grandfather. Mm-hmm. So he's already saying he's like, we we know that he was flights of fancy had flights of fancy because we all know it's impossible to see your grandfather. <laughs> we all know it's right. impossible to talk to angels. So right. you, you see what I'm saying? So he's saying like he said he talked to his great grandfather, his dead grandfather or something. So we already know that he's crazy. Even as a little kid, very, too. Right. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Even though the very thing that you are proving is spiritual. Right. You know, you're saying that, well, we know his spiritual stuff isn't right because he used to see spirits. <laughs> right. Yeah. Shermer Shermer starts off from this place of saying you can tell Casey's not credible because he's never been credible. That right. even as a child, he right. wasn't credible, <laughs> which is like, you know, I mean. 
Yeah, and who's fuck this kid going out in what, a Bible hut? Why wasn't he writing uh, law briefings <laughs> using the Socratic method as an eight-year-old? I mean, it's, this yeah. guy's a quack. It's almost yeah. like he was like, you know, when I was eight years old, I wasn't talking to my dead grandfather. So if I wasn't yeah. doing it, Edgar Casey wasn't doing it either. When I was eight years old, I was talking to my imaginary friend, Jason Voorhees, <laughs> which is a legitimate thing. I had an imaginary friend named Jason who I then decided looked like Jason Voorhees, the, uh, <laughs> the horror movie monster. Oh, wow. I'm sure your parents weren't worried about that at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. I turned out fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm a well-adjusted member of society. Yeah, I've never seen Art uh, thrust his hand up from under the still waters of a lake. <laughs> I don't have an obsession with murdering sexy teens at a camp <laughs> for making fun of me for being ugly. Now, if you gentlemen would allow me a moment to clarify my words from just a minute ago, because okay, it really sounded easy. it really sounded I was going all in on the Edgar Casey and was going to give you guys something like a plausible check plus plus. Yeah, yeah. We're right? hoping wow. that you're going to be in the green yeah. on the, the scale. <laughs> but but there's something else that he said. You know, he he said that his prophecies are warnings. And if they don't come true, it's because we heeded the warnings. Well, exactly what was humanity doing that kept a large landmass from rising in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean? <laughs> <laughs> so, you yeah. know, it's not like I it's not like anybody could have read that and been like, you know what? I do not want Atlantis to rise again. Yeah. I better stop make this. sure I do something about this. Um, you know, one one of the things that uh, James Randi said that that didn't make it into the script is, is something to the effect I'm paraphrasing here that, you know, the the like the rationalizations that Casey believers have to make uh, are almost more like like it renders their defense of him like completely useless because they have to make so many rationalizations to like account for the failures. Now, I don't know if I'm totally like, I mean, I like James Randi and everything, but I'm not sure if I'm totally on board with that. But I think that, that statement about prophecies, I'm kind of with you, TJ. Like it's one of those things where it, it's like, it's a bit of a stretch of a rationalization. It's like, were you predicting something or were you not, you right. know, it's like, it's like either you predicted it would happen or you wouldn't. And I get that you could say like, well, anything could change the future. Like anything could happen and that could change that event. But it's like, I guess you tend to think like, oh, if, if somebody's a psychic, they're seeing everything that they're seeing every possibility, right? Like if they have access to the Akashic records, that's everything that that's ever, clairvoyance. ever is, was, or will be. Like, right. mm -hmm. you should be able to account for those variables, I would think. I mean, and, I don't know. I'm not a psychic, so. And you should be able to tell when the dude who's uh, using your prophecies is using them to short sell the, uh, <laughs> the uh, stock market. Yeah, and that wasn't the first time that uh, Casey had been taken advantage of either. Yeah, uh, you know, other people had used his um, advice to bet on horses, uh, to make uh, beneficial trades in like the commodities market. There's so one story where actually they uh, they actually put Casey into a giant bowl of milk and used him to predict uh, murders. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't come up a lot. Yeah, yeah, that didn't. It was actually Tom Cruise would use him to predict murders, and then he yeah. would go out and pre prevent the murders from happening. Yeah, that's true. I, I saw wild. that documentary. It was a documentary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> not a not a very uh not, not a lot of great production values on that documentary but uh very factual so, so if 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 i had to take on profits in general um uh, you know not just edgar casey but you know we also talked about for instance nostradamus and there's several you know very famous quote unquote seers from throughout mm-hmm. history I think about them and I think if if there is a prophet that has a somewhat decent, you know, success rate, I less think that they are in that they are touching the as we call it Akashic records and more thing that they are just a very intelligent person that can see how the world works. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, we if you look back on history, I, I love history. I'm a student of history. I'm a big history buff. Part of the one of the reasons that I think this guy I loves like, history and he loves being buff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's part of the reason why I do like some of these conspiracy theories, especially if they deal with like historical events. Yes. Yeah. Um, but if you look at history, you will see, you know, it's not just a cliche that humanity repeats itself over history repeats itself. Mm-hmm. Um, we're constantly doing the same shit over and over again. We never learn from it. <laughs> and so if you want to be a prophet, if you want to be a Nostradamus, you know, or you or even if like Edgar Casey said, he just wanted to help people. If you really wanted to help people and you had the mind where you can look at the world and be like, you know, if things keep going on this path, I bet, you know, this thing and this thing and this thing is probably going to happen. Yeah. You can't just tell people that, you know, you can't just get up on a soapbox and be like, hey, if we keep going, people, this shit's going to happen because nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that the path that they're on, even as an entire society or species is leading to failure. Nobody <laughs> wants to hear that. And and yeah. if you try to bring them even evidence for that, they will dismiss it. But yeah. as m- the moment you say, oh, oh, this is a vision from God, or I'm channeling an alien, or I'm going into a <laughs> trance and touching the Akashic record. Now, for some reason, you'll get more people believing you. Yeah. So... Yeah. If you do want to change the world and you are pretty damn certain what shitty thing is about to happen, you have way you have way more chance of success starting a cult than getting on <laughs> like MSNBC and being like, hey, you guys, we got to change shit. <laughs> you heard it here first, bunk funkers. <laughs> Wow. TJ Very from well Pick Me put, Podcast. TJ. Start your own cult. <laughs> we're, we're going to, that's the, that's uh, we're going to come away. out with our own start your cult strategy guide. <laughs> <laughs> TJ's going to be doing a series of podcasts on starting your own cult. Oh, my God. <laughs> Very... Very well put, TJ. Very succinct. Very eloquent. Yes, very eloquent Thank you. in a way that uh, we would never be able yeah, to do. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, and I, I have to I have to somewhat... You know, I, I think I have to agree with you, and I think... Um, um yeah i mean it's it's kind of weird i don't know there's something about us humans we still have that little lizard brain right like it's uh (laughs) it just it loves i don't know it loves that kind of tribalism it loves um we love uh higher powers or thinking that there's something else 
um, kind of out there watching out for us or predicting this shit or taking control of life. I mean, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's a very strong belief, but it, it sort of leads me to the next kind of point that I kind of want to talk about it. And it's, that's of the Akashic record. Yeah. I mean, obviously this is not an Akashic record episode, but touching on it. I mean, what do we think about that? Is there some kind of spiritual other, I don't know what you want to call it. Dimension kind of uh, force uh, thing out there that connects all of us. Are we all tied on some kind of spiritual level? Such a neat idea, right? I like it. It's, you know, it's comforting. Oh, hey, Bungfungers, we're back. I had a little little technical difficulty there, but we were talking about the uh, Akashic Records. Okay, what do we, What do, I mean, what do we think about that? It's a, a heady topic. It's a very interesting idea and a very delicious collection of cereals. Uh, <laughs> God. Love the honey note, uh, oat nut crunch. Uh, great flavor, great crunch. Um, no, but seriously, um, Kashi cereals aside, um, the Akashic Records, a very neat idea uh, to okay. think that you could you could tap into every event, every piece of knowledge, every feeling, every everything in the entire universe that's ever like ever had any like even thoughts things that don't physically exist like you could tap in to all of that all at the same time andy you're uh, you're often a very dark uh depressing um some mm-hmm. might say you're akin to a um, mm-hmm. expired bag of mayonnaise yeah, bag of with bag. condensation. Yeah, a bag of mayonnaise, not a jar because jars are nicely shaped and sturdy. Uh, whereas I'm more of like just a loose, um, barely held together, lumpy sack of rancid filth. Yeah, uh, you're just a Such very, a you're a very like, uh, uh, just you know, matter of fact kind of guy. I feel like you are not into the idea that all humans are connected by some spiritual force. Yeah. Uh, you're yeah. Famously a neckbeard atheist type of guy. <laughs> um, I am wearing a fedora right now and I do have a katana strapped to my back. No, but you're very famously known for saying like, yeah, like when you're dead, you're fucking dead and you're, it's over. It's done. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that I believe in the Akashic record right, and right, right. it doesn't make me feel like warm and fuzzy inside to think, Oh, all of humanity and all of all the beings in the universe are connected by one spiritual force, but okay. like the idea that you could access, you just think it's fucking cool. Yeah, like think how powerful you could yeah, be. Okay, you sorry, could, yeah, you could tap into that kind of you knowledge. Thinking it from a business perspective. Oh yeah, think about think about all the stuff you could do. You'd never have to. Nobody could tell you what to do anymore. Fucking, you'd be free, baby. <laughs> all right, you know it all. Well, TJ, what well, about I mean, you? What about? Uh, do you have to? <laughs> I think uh, the biggest thing that the Akashic Records has going for right now is that it perfectly feeds into the whole interconnectedness, we are all one, we are all stardust kind of new age crowd. Okay. You know what I mean? It really feeds into that, and it gives them a lot of of fuel for their fires. Um, That in no way makes it more realistic, but um, that the thought of it really helps with all that. And, um, you know, if you get into, um, if you get into theories like electric universe or perception is reality, Mm -hmm. meaning that what we see as reality is just our consciousness 
making um, making forms out of wavelengths. Yes, right. DMT. Um, you get into things like that, then the Akashic Record can kind of make sense. Kind of. Because right. then what you're basically saying is that reality is a computer program and the Akashic Records is the recycle bin. There you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. Okay. And into some simulation know, theory. It always get, comes right. back. It always comes back. Right. Yeah. And I guess that's possible. But, you know, not only it, if that is real, how can one consistently tap into it and know that you're getting like, you know, truth? Right. And um, but more realistically, I, I'm just not on board with it. Wow. Well, you know, you make a kind of an interesting point there, TJ, that if if we do say that our perception is our reality, the Akashic record would allow you to perceive like to to see everything that someone perceived. Right. Like, so you'd be able to understand, like, if Art if Art and I have the exact same experience, he might experience it differently than me. The Akashic Record would, you know, like, if I tapped into Art's, Art's records. Get out of my records. Like, <laughs> I would see all those times he masturbated. Right. And I would also see this yeah. event uh, right. that we both experienced. But if I'm not me and I don't know the other side of the story, I maybe I'm getting the wrong bits of information because it's not that Art didn't like have the truth it's just that he experienced it different than me we both watched space jam one of us <laughs> masturbated to lola bunny the other did not yeah uh, one so of us masturbated to lola one bunny space one of us jam one one was space jam two right right one of us masturbated to lola bunny one of us masturbated to michael jordan <laughs> <laughs> and but our other friend masturbated so to wayne knight <laughs> Guilty. So, yes, that was TJ. It was DJ. Uh, we all watched Sorry. Space Jam together, and we all masturbated at different points during the movie. Uh, Art, Akashic Records, what's your take? Uh, I mean, I don't know so much about the being able to access everybody's thoughts and emotions and all that shit, but... Um... You know, I'm not so opposed to the idea of uh, of an interconnectedness between human beings or even a simulation theory, which it could very well be. Mm, sure. Um, and I guess in that case, yeah, like all everything that's ever been created is stored in some <laughs> some uh, higher level beings database. And there's yeah. some higher level being uh, is a database administrator. If the universe is a sim simulation <laughs> like the, the, uh, the Akashic record is basically a fact because it's. Because it's just everything is data, so that's right. it's stored somewhere. Yeah, right. Um, I but mean, we're yeah. basically getting into the matrix here. The world we really is are. the matrix, you guys. <laughs> Do I think that people who are like you know, uh, I don't know. There's, you know, sageful people, people met, you know, whatever, new agey people, mystics. Um, I don't know. It's it's tough. You know, a part of me just kind of says that like. Uh, Usually the sage or whatever, the person giving the, the sage in like the community or the, the whatever kind of uh, culture it is, is usually an older person, right? Mm -hmm. They've right. lived a long time, so they've experienced a lot of things. Mm -hmm. uh, and especially in back in the day, like even in Edgar Casey's day, you know, there wasn't a ton of stuff to experience. You know, you might have just like if you were like a farmer or whatever, you would just sort of be like, you would be very sageful about the seasons because you would know, like, hey, I fucking, I've seen what happens when a plant looks like that. That's a rotten cabbage. You got cabbage mice. <laughs> cabbage mice? Yeah, cabbage mice inside your cabbage are eating your cabbages up. I've seen it a million times. And 
to somebody who's brand new, they've been saying, oh my God, what the hell the fuck is he? This guy's so smart. He's so, so stuff. What's he tapping into here? Meanwhile, today you got all these all these ass eating millennials out here, and they're they're saying, "Oh, oh, I got the new Cabbage Mice uh, album uh, on my Spotify." Oh my god, <laughs> that's exactly how they sound. <laughs> but I don't know. It's sort of like it can some sort of sage tap into like like is, is the avatar real? Can you be like the avatar and tap into the all the uh, thousands of previous avatars that existed? Uh, you know, until uh, Korra comes along and uh, destroys all the avatars, and uh, which was, you know, such a great show. But uh, anyway, uh, it, I don't know. I, it's I think I'm more I I think I'm more open to it than you guys are. Let's put it that way. I'm a okay. little bit maybe more in the green. All right, all right. Than you guys That's are. Fair. But just the idea that like there's this sort of interconnect. I still need to study it a little bit more. I'm mm-hmm. not as well versed on it. We haven't done an episode on it. From if you said it to me as an idea, I'd be like, oh, yeah. I think I could get on board with that, like interconnectedness. Yeah. If anything, it is a silly means to towards a admirable ends, which is that, hey, you should look out for other people in some ways because we're all in this together. We're all right. interconnected in some way in some mystical kind of fucking uh, weave. We all tap into the warp and there's chaos gods and uh, <laughs> uh, the tyrannids <laughs> yeah. and uh, orcs. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's my ramble on that. Um, I would just like, I would just like to take a moment, uh, and say that, uh, honestly, one of my all time favorite herbs is sage. (laughs) Yes. Well, not mine. I have (gasps) another favorite herb. What is it? Oh, I'm, I will not get into it because it's not legal in my state. Uh, (laughs) Well, have you ever tried to smoke sage? (laughs) Cause it goes great with pork. You can throw that on the smoker. Oh baby. (laughs) So I'm smoking pork chops. Oh, Oh, yummy, yummy. You gotta flatten out those pork chops and stuff them with the peppers. Stuff them with your pepperoni. Stuff them with the peppers. Um, fair enough. Fair enough. I guess my favorite herb is, is tea and herb. I like tea. <laughs> I don't think so. No, it's not. A uh, totally different kind of plant. If I had to pick a favorite herb, oh my god, um, I, I really like thyme. Thyme's great. Fresh thyme. Oh my god. Yeah, fresh thyme is delicious. Bear. Goes in so many things. It's great. Oof. This is the portion of the show where we actually talk about our favorite herbs, which is what the entire show was about <laughs> anyway. This is talking the- about Edgar Casey was just to get you in the door. <laughs> Now we're going to talk for two hours about herbs. Let's go. Oh, and I rub herbs all over my body, just like Edgar Casey. Oh, wanted. yeah, baby. Herbs and butter. <laughs> um, fellas, is there any other major points about Edgar Casey? We jumped around a bit. It's a long topic. We could be here all day. Ooh. But uh, any other major points about Casey we want to bring up before we get to verdicts? Um, I, I would like I, I, I am a fan of the work that the ARE is doing. Yeah, the, uh, sure. The. Association for Research and Enlightenment. Yeah. Um, because they do at least try to maintain a scientific exploration of some of these topics. Now, there are a lot of skeptics, probably Shermer would be one of them, <laughs> that would not agree with the way they go about it. Sure. But if anybody is in a position to actually have documented evidence of yeah, psychic phenomena. ARE are the best people in that position. Um, TJ, let me ask you a question because you bring up you bring up an interesting point. This is probably be the only thing that I'd want to mention that we haven't already discussed. But 
Do you think that uh, an organization like ARE or a person like um, like Edgar Casey, um, do you do you see the the actions uh, of organizations and people like that as being mostly harmless, or do you see it as giving people false hope, like, or or possibly like to the point that they might neglect actual medical care for a bona fide condition? And see, and that's the real that's the real tough question about holistic medicine, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, whether whether or not it works is the side question. The real question <laughs> yeah. is, are you going to deny yourself proven scientific treatment in the pursuit of what may or may not be an easier question? And man, I think people have been trying to answer that question for generations. Yeah. You know, it's I think it's all about uh, the resources that you have access to and then in a combination with how that is presented. Now, it, you know, there's there's people who, you know, like we were talking about Miss Cleo earlier, who's you know, she's going to help you, but you better be able to pony up those bugs <laughs> for a minute. Right. You know, when there's quote unquote psychic surgeons but, you know, in order to get that service, you're going to be paying them thousands of dollars for them to magically pull chicken livers from you and tell you that it's your infected gallbladder. <laughs> yeah, I recognize that those charlatans exist. Yeah. But then on the other spectrum, you've got someone like Edgar Casey, who really I, I feel from all the stuff that we've talked about Edgar Casey and the stuff that I knew about him before we did this show. I honestly don't think that he was out to get somebody. It's funny when I talked to my wife about doing this and I said, do you know who Edgar Casey is? The first thing she goes, oh, is he, was he a cult leader? And it's like <laughs> that question is kind of funny because was Edgar Casey a cult leader? No. Does he have all the markers of one? Yes. Wow. It, the, mm. the one that he does not have, though, he was not trying to. He didn't want followers. Right. Right. But everything else is pretty much spot on. So then you have to ask that question. Well, you know, if you have somebody who yeah, even Jesus wanted followers, you know right. what I mean? So it, it really calls into question whether or not he was a genuine person because he wasn't trying to get money from people. And then if you deduce from that, that he was a genuine person with a genuine desire to help others, then you have to ask yourself, why are you so quick to call him a liar then? It's a fair point. I think that's well said. A lot of, lot of well-made points yeah. uh, by TJ today. Wow. Yeah, I, I sharp my point sword. Yeah, yeah. You. I mean, when we said you were elevating the level of this podcast, we, <laughs> we, we undersold it. <laughs> well, I... Man, I think I think maybe that's a question we have to answer with our verdicts here, boys. Yeah, I think you're right, Art. Um, now, TJ, obviously, we don't have to explain uh, how the <laughs> verdicts work for you, but uh, well, I, I will actually share the uh, the bunker scale with you here in, in just a moment. But as our guest, would you like to go first, or would you like to defer? Uh, you know what? I have ran my mouth on your show so much. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and defer, you guys. Alrighty. All right, then I guess I'll take the lead go on right uh, verdicts here. Um, you know, I think arts alluded to it. Um, I'm generally not super convinced about psychic abilities in general. Um, you know, that said, 
I think a lot of the time when we talk about topics like this, I kind of end up in that, like what we just, what TJ was just talking about. Like, you know, is the person genuine? Um, you know, like how, how harmful are things like this? I do think that like a lot of times, you know, talking to the dead kind of is false hope, but I'm not sure how harmful it is. Yeah. You know, it's one it of those things. Closure. Yeah. Where it's like, if it makes somebody feel better, um, if you're, if you approach it from a genuine way and you don't try to take advantage of people, which I think is probably the biggest problem, um, then it's probably not such a terrible thing. Um, you know, when it comes to the health care, like quackery for sure, um, uh, my pet duck is a very good boy. Um, but when you, you know, like, well, when he's not swimming in my pond, my koi pond, <laughs> when he's not supposed he's not to be, getting, okay. when he's not getting hypnotized by quacking boss. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, the qu- there was a Pokemon trainer, the Quacken Boss at the Duck Gym, <laughs> the with duck, his quackery. Duck Gym. Um, what type is your Pokemon? Duck. duck. <laughs> it's uh, got to be a water element, right? <laughs> it's a water water type duck. Um, but you know, I think where I kind of come down with Edgar Casey is like for a lot of the reasons that that TJ mentioned, like he seems more on the genuine side to me than he seems on the just trying to take advantage of people. Like I genuinely. I, I kind of get the sense that, you know, even though he, skeptics are probably right to say like, oh, well, he's not actually doing anything like, you know, it might just be placebo or, you know, he's not he's not really a psychic or whatever. It's like that's probably fair. But at the same time, it's like I don't get the sense that Casey knew that he wasn't and he was purposefully trying to mislead people um, like it seems for the most part, like his intentions were genuine um, you know, this far removed, it's hard to know that with any certainty. Um, but I'm generally not convinced by psychics and, you know, not a lot, not a lot in Casey's story makes me go, oh yeah, he's definitely like this, this gives me reason to change my opinion on that. Um, that said, it's like, there are cases where he helped people get better, Yeah, you know, and that in and of itself, whether it's psychic or not, is at least proof that he had enough like did something mind. yeah he did something uh and he did predict a few things so like i'm gonna say uh on the verdict here because i'm just gonna verdict is like was he was he like a legit legit psychic uh power did he have these powers i'm gonna give kind of a probably a surprising verdict to, to art I- i'm gonna say plausible minus minus um i'm in the red but i'm not all the way at the red i'm not case closed because at the end of the day i think he had at least some ability, yeah, even right. if it's not like psychic. Uh-huh. So I'm plausible minus minus. Fair, fair verdict, Andy. Fair verdict. That is your verdict. Um, TJ, again, uh, the floor is yours. Would you like to defer or would you like to go ahead? <laughs> no, I think uh, I think I'll go ahead. Bunker's um, rules of order. All right, there you go. Because because I actually just had a thought here. You know, we were talking about the Akashic record, and I understand that Edgar Casey was not 100% i.e. Atlantis did not rise in 68 to 69. <laughs> yeah. But nice. there is something that the Marvel movies has taught me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the multiverse. Okay. Yeah. So, Ooh. you know, Edgar Casey, think of this guy, you know, he's just sleeping, sleeping on the job. You know what I mean? Yeah. He doesn't know exactly how to tune into the Akashic Record. It's like you have a radio antenna, but you don't have a knob. You know what I mean? You're just going to pick up whatever comes by. Very fair. And knowing, as I do, knowing that there are multiverses, 
And given oh. the possibility that each multiverse has its own Akashic record, Edgar Casey's radio antenna just kind of grazed the wrong Akashic record every once in a wow. while. In Earth 36B, Atlantis rose in 68 to 69, you wow. guys. So given okay. this new information, I know that the enchilada is for the new information. But given this new revelation of my own, I'm going to have to go plausible plus and a half. Wow. Wow. Great verdict. Very cool verdict. And and once again, it goes back to that whole, he really does seem genuine. So I had to come up with a reason for him to be wrong. And the multiverse opened that door for me. Wow. Very good. Very cool. I wish that I was not such a downer all the time and I could come up with good verdicts like this. Well, hey, in fairness for us, we are uneducated. Uh, we only have ninth grade educations and and we haven't we haven't covered every topic yet. In fact, a lot of the new agey stuff we haven't uh, touched we on. We haven't as gotten much. into that much. We've new done age, a few. Honestly. We've little... done uh, cure for cancer, we've done mm-hmm. breatharianism, but yeah. Akashic record we haven't touched. We haven't touched multiverse. Yeah, simulation theory is really. We touched that so early. Yeah, we touched it very early. Oh, early you and often. Touched that simulation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Are we in Earth sixty nine double D? Because I hope so. <laughs> nope. I'm sorry. Damn. Sixty eight triple F. Yeah, uh, you can tell this is not the sexiest version of Earth. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's it's old and it dangles. Um. <laughs> yeah. Bad. For me, you know, again, I echo. Edgar Casey is the most genuine subject we've ever covered easily. He's more genuine than Bob Lazar. He's more genuine than the, uh, I think, Charles Hall. Mm-hmm. He's more genuine than uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he's the most genuine guy. I wow, truly think that this guy statement. was a, I mean, obviously in a survivor of child abuse, big time. We didn't, we didn't really touch on that. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's right. He was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, there's something that I think that maybe you could kind of point and say like, was, were these fairies, were these, this winged people, this ability, was this a subconscious kind of thing that he created to, help cope with the abuse that he suffered. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and try and fucking armchair diagnose people. Yeah. Um, even though I do have a psychology degree and I am allowed to do that. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I do think he had a photographic memory. I do think that. Okay. I think that he had that maybe. I don't know what happens when you get smacked so fucking hard in the head that you fall <laughs> out of a chair. You see stars. You yeah. see stars, but maybe, literally, it, you know, Head injuries, head trauma, they're a very weird thing. Mm-hmm. You have true scientific stories of people waking up being able to do things that they could not do previously. And it is sort that, of like, that is 100% accurate. That's that's uh, a good thing to bring up. There. It's it's a wild, crazy thing that we truly still don't understand our own brains. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. These uh, little jelly jelly beans of covered in fluid sitting in our skulls. <laughs> Um, and they, they're made of jelly beans. Yeah, mine is especially. <laughs> I used to shove a lot of jelly beans in my ears. But, you know, TJ's response was so friggin' good. It did give me pause. And um, I'm sort of thinking about it because, you know, I'm kind of on the fence about this sort of interconnectedness and this multiverse and this simulation theory. I can't say for certain whether this, I will say this, I'm not a huge fan of the the health and the the whatchamacallit, the uh, uh, doctory kind of diagnoses. 
I think that maybe he kind of got swindled into some of that stuff, you know, and right. I think he was I think he was always hesitant about using this. There were yeah. certainly people influencing him while he might not have wanted money. Yeah. There were certainly people around him who did. Yeah. Right. And, you know, eventually he's he's an older man when some of this A.R.E. and some of the later stuff starts happening. So maybe he just kind of like, ah, I don't fucking he's just sort of like, I just want to help people. And they're like, this is really going to help people, Edgar. And they're like. He's like, you know, he's getting all these letters about the war and he's like, I mean, imagine the stress. Yeah. You think you truly believe you have this amazing gift and you're like, fuck, I'm not using it to help people during this horrible time, this world war. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I guess I can kind of see why he kind of maybe fell into that quote unquote trap. But I'm going to give a. I'm going to give just a straight plausible. Okay, I'm going to go down the middle. Um. I think that it is plausible that this guy was able to tap into something spiritual that we don't understand, something greater, some kind of uh, larger thing. We don't know. There are unexplainable things in our world, and uh, perhaps Edgar Cayce, um, I don't know, maybe he was a, a special case where he was able to see certain things or tap into certain things. But I do think, for the most part, he was a guy with a photographic memory. Mm-hmm. Um, and was a genuine dude. Yeah. Okay. Just Very wanted well to said. help some people, you guys. He just wanted to just yeah. wanted to help some people. And what did it get him? Smacked out his chair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we should all be so lucky. Well, <laughs> bug fuckers, uh, you should be feeling pretty freaking lucky because you just heard our verdicts on Edgar Casey, but and you got to let us know what you think out there, bunk funkers. Use yeah. the hashtag. Uh, uh, hashtag. Um, Quack and Boss. Oh, oh my God, TJ, it, had to it be. has to be Quack yeah, and Boss. Yeah, it has to be Quack and Boss. Quack and Boss. Let us know what you think about Edgar Casey. but before you do, please listen to our friend TJ as he gives you a plug for anything <laughs> he wants in the world. TJ, please, the floor is yours. Oh, um, if I get to plug anything in the world, then what I'm plugging is this little podcast of mine called The Pick Me Podcast. We've uh, mentioned it a couple times on this episode, but what I really <laughs> want to talk about, season two is over, but I have dropped some things. By the time this episode is out, I know that I will have my breakdown of the Snyder Cut. That's a big <laughs> thing. Yeah, I'm going to take some time and the pick me is going to pick apart the Snyder's Cut, me and my friend Jake. So check that out if you're a fan or not a fan of DC. Um, and then, uh, we got the podcasters choice series where I'm going to talk to some podcasters. I'm going to bring them on my show. And instead of reviewing their podcasts, we're going to talk about how they made their podcasts and how their own shows came together and try to give some, uh, insights and, uh, tips and tools to use from those who, uh, who are in the trade in the know. And, Mm -hmm. um, there is actually a uh, hosts of a show that you listeners might know of called <laughs> Mr. Bunker's conspiracy time podcast. <laughs> they are actually, uh, they're actually in that series. So be sure to stop by and wow. check them out. Oh, I can't wait to hear that one. Uh, a plug within yeah. a plug <laughs> for a plug. Plugception. It's plugception. Uh, it's it's a like plug the three, within a plug within it's a like plug. The three mother boxes from the Snyder cut. I think that's what those are called. Pull the plugs apart, Superman. (laughs) Pull the plugs apart. Oh, if only I could look as good as Henry Cavill. Well, you don't. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Um, 
Uh, well, uh, thank you. Yes, please check out the Pick Me podcast, dear Bunk Funkers, and please look out for the Podcaster's Choice series coming to a podcast feed near you. Uh, you got the Snyder Cut. You got the Podcaster's Choice coming. Uh, eventually, there'll be Pick Me Season 3. Yes. Right. Um, so check it out. Um, TJ, correct me if I get anything wrong, but it's it's at Pick Me Pod. They can find you on Twitter. The website and Facebook. is- and Facebook and Pick Facebook Me Pod? now. Yeah, I'm reaching, okay. I'm branching out, you guys. Okay. There you uh, go. And then the website is pickmepod.libsyn, that's L I B S Y N.com. And yes. uh, after you check out all those wonderful episodes and all that wonderful content, you can let us know what you think by finding us at, at Mr. Bunker Pod on Twitter and Instagram, by emailing us mrbunkerpod at gmail.com, finding us on YouTube by YouTube searching Mr. Bunker. And if you feel so inclined and you have the means to do so and you want to get some extra content every month, <laughs> you can subscribe on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Mr. Bunker Pod. Uh, recently, we unlocked a Patreon episode That's on right. Mike DeBartleben uh, so you can get a taste. A little, little taste. A little uh, bite I, of the Burger Chef. I tasted it. I tasted it, you guys. And what was your favorite Burger Chef slogan, TJ? Um, I, I don't know. I didn't take notes. <laughs> I listened while I was at work, you guys. Well, I'm sorry. Well, no, good. that's fair. That's fair. That's uh, all fair. I mean, as long as Burger Chef satisfied you, it always does. <laughs> it always does. Well, uh, TJ, thank you so much for guesting uh, yes. with us on this episode. This was a wonderful, very uh, new agey and uh, fun discussion. I think on a very fun topic. It was. It was a very stuffed burrito. And uh, if oh, I may yes. add, if any of your listeners wish to. Email me personally and tell me how well that I did. <laughs> they, can, they can hit me up at uh, thehumantj at gmail.com. Thehumantj yeah, human at G- gmail.com. There yep. you go. Well, time to, uh, I think, wrap, thing up, wrap things up here, fellas, and uh, maybe we can, go, uh, we can go astral project ourselves to some of the location. Um, yes, I'll astral project myself to the earth in which Atlantis rose. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Good idea. Uh, and maybe we could also project ourselves to the world where the uh, Snyder Cut was actually the theatrical release. CJ? <laughs> <laughs> huh? mm, so we'll we see. can see all those we'll people sleeping. <laughs> oh! oh, sneak peek. Oh. oh, boy. Oh, boy. There you go. Well, for not the titular Mr. Bunker, but for my Paul Mary. Paul Mary? <laughs> Paul Marie, co-host Andy Hart. I'm Art Stone saying that was the whole enchilada. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? 
or just a horrible accident? That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Slaycation.